<laughs> Everyone's like, are you stupid? And, yes. And with that, <laughs> welcome to the Giant Contra Robot Podcast. I'm your host, Desmond. Desi is dead, Robinson. And that was our guest, Ky- uh, Kylie. I was going to... Kaylee. Kaylee. God damn it. It's Kaylee. Kaylee. You're making it harder. Just go with your gut. I know. Kaylee I can hear you being like, no, I have it wrong. I got to change what I think. No, you, you have it right. I believe you. I'm, uh, you know what I'm thinking about, um, Kaylee, and, um, in um, F- Firefly? Oh, God, yeah. I've never seen that show, because, and it's the only show with a character with my name in it. Oh, my God. I yeah. Wish, I wish we could do a watch party. Uh, I won't watch a show with less than four seasons, so I've never watched it. I don't want my heart broken. I don't want to fall in love. That's Kaylee Walmart, also known as the Quirk of Art. Um, this is what I normally do. And also, as always, with me, Christian, the Damon Lama writer, Ventura. Hey, yo. Um, you have now gotten into the trap of I like to record people while we're talking when we're in on a good roll. And we was on a good roll, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to hit the record button right now. Yes. Sean Capri always does that to me. We start the call, and sometimes he'll start recording before we even start the call. And I'll be talking for like 15 minutes thinking we're just chit-chatting about games. And nope, we're recording. Oh, yeah, he does that to me all the time. Right? He's a sneaky one. Yep, and we, we I got some gold on, on some previous episodes. I'm <laughs> revealing some things. Um, some things, yes, I had to edit out. Um <laughs> And it's just some things like, you know, we're going to keep it in there. We're going to keep it live. I even said some things that should have not been said. And I'm like, and every time we invite people, I have to now pick and choose episodes to send out to people for them to be on. Hence why when I asked you to be on, I intentionally picked the Halloween episode because the newer episode. Oh, and if you know, our fourth host, co-host is Christian's puppy. Oh my god, is that a puppy? Yes, she's uh she she always likes to make her voice heard regardless of how much I try to uh you know not. Oh dude, I took my dog to the dog park for two hours and then my roommate just took him on a run because I'm trying to get him to sleep through this recording. <laughs> yeah. He was being worn out and he doesn't care. He's so happy. He's just getting so much attention. And our fifth member, Harley Quinn the cat, is currently right here. <gasps> in front of my feet playing with her now destroyed dolphin toy. Huh. Like, That's would, so cute. While we was talking, she was just batting it around. <laughs> yeah, so those are the those are the crew for this episode of John Contra. And I was serious. I was the, I, I always send people an episode that is not too one hundred percent me and Krishna being too out there. And see, I almost listened to the most recent episode first, but then I was like, you know what? He sent me this one. This is the one he wants me to listen to, so I'll listen to this one. Um, so you got real, like, I literally was. I was on Spotify because I was taking the dog to the park, so I knew I'd have, like, you know, a couple hours to kill, perfect mm-hmm. podcast listening time. And I went to go hit download on the, like, most recent top one, and then I went, no, let me listen to the one he picked. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> if you decide to return... You can listen to the most, this won't be the most recent, the N7 Day one. We talked about Mass Effect and my love for Mass Effect and the Bioware, but also we talked about Spider-Man. And there is, I'll just say, there's a specific tangent that just stood out to me that I just had to get out. 
And I was like, I love it. And I was like, let me get this out of my head first. Then get back. It, it still, it was still on topic because Miles is of Latin descent. So it was still on brand. But it was then, loosely on brand. Loosely, <laughs> yeah, loosely on brand. But still, I was like, I just need to say it. And then we went back on topic. We tend to do that. We, we, we like to be, uh, we like to be tangent filled. But sometimes the tangent is on topic, and then sometimes we just go right off the deep end. Yeah, no, no. Sometimes we're we're so smart we do that on purpose, so that way we come back to the main topic. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Rarely. No, no, no. Let's 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 give the real behind the sneak preview here. <laughs> our host is a jackass, and also you can catch our podcast, this podcast, every Monday on SoundCloud and Spotify, and also an update. If you search the giant controversy robot, and I'm surprised because now our podcast is now associated with kind of funny and other gaming podcasts. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like literally, I searched the giant controversy robot, kind of funny, GameSpot, and other podcasts popped up, and I was like, oh my god, we we, we they we, know Spotify yeah. knows. Like I'm I'm happy. People that means people Aww. are listening to this podcast yeah so i can't wait to see the i hate the fuck i hate the fact that we can't see the t- statistics of of this podcast on spotify yeah we can see it like at the end of the year right yeah by soundcloud instantly gives us the um the statistics and we're getting some good hits on soundcloud not like you won't see the numbers per episode but if people are listening to our episodes so the fact that people are listening and and well, one day engage with us. So far, we only get like close friends engaging with us. We still like it. It just—that's how I feel when I stream. Like I go live and I'm like, there's always a couple of people in chat, and I'm always like, who the fuck are you? You got? I mean, if you're listening, I guess I'll talk. But that's cool. Like, it's it's cool knowing that when you're talking, there's someone listening. I don't know. It's just it feels nice. Yeah. So there's a, a preemptive thank you to all those that are tuning into the podcast right now. Yeah. yeah. If you can hear this, you're special. That's what yes. they're saying. Look at it. Um, and also, you catch um, Kaylee's episode of uh, Twitch channel, Quirk of Art, on Twitch. That's me. Um, I I, I want to say sorry. I have been I have not a follower. So let's say I'm on Twitter, or like Anthony Abbott, or anybody like tweets out your link. I will watch it for like a good maybe 15, 20 minutes. And then I'll hop off. See, my problem is I never watch Twitch. I feel so bad. It's so hard for me. I don't know. It's just that's one of the reasons where I'm like, oh, you guys are here. That's so cool. I like I like watching my friends play games, but just watching strangers. It's like, oh, man, you just pop, you don't even know me. Like my <laughs> friends are here because they have to be. They're my friends, you know, <laughs> Like, but when a stranger comes in, it's like, oh, wow, you just you just genuinely like hearing me talk. That's. That's cool. You could chill. <laughs> I think that's the whole point of um, doing podcasts and Twitch is for to meet new people and to engage. And hence why how I found a we in a way we found one another on on the interwebs because of friends linking us. Oh, it's the only way I make friends or dates. Hey. God bless the internet. Yeah. <laughs> God bless what? Twitter. New gen this is the new generation. This is how people talk to each other. Yeah. Um, 240 characters at a time. Yeah. (laughs) And it was 140 characters. That's how I know about Twitter. God. 
I, I was on it at that point. And I'm already so just like verbose, so I can barely handle 240. I was so happy when they extended it. I remember that joy. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how I fucking functioned prior to that. I know how I functioned. I and if anyone want to go back to my back tweets, it's either me shitting on my own gender, and me constantly tweeting, "What's the point of Twitter?" Yeah, I think my my first tweet was like, I actually started using Twitter because one of my friends explained to me that Twitter is for, the, like, the point of Twitter is so that one, you can tweet at celebrities and maybe they'll like it, and two, whenever you have a thought that you know none of your friends want to hear, you can just tweet it. <laughs> that's what she, and so that's how I use Twitter. Whenever I like have a thought or a joke and I'm like, no one wants to hear this, that's my next tweet. I, 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 I got a cathartic moment. Because um, my favorite artist, Babs Tar, she liked one of my tweets. And I was like, finally See? she noticed me. It feels great. It, feel, it really does feel great. Um, I know it one, feels so good. I, I know one artist outside of like the tour space, Jimmy, uh, I can never pronounce his last name, Pomelotti, um, and his wife, Amanda, uh, Amanda Connor. Um, she even drew my sketchbook for me and I took a picture with her. I, I, I uh. hate the fact that I lost my old phone. I bricked my old phone trying to fix it instead of waiting for Christian to help me fix it. Um, so those photos, those photos are gone. So, but like, I do have those memories of meeting them. So like everyone now and then I'll probably tweet at them and they'll either tweet back or um, like a tweet. So those like the, one of the rare times that I met a fam- famous artist in real life and then went to follow them and they follow me back. So I'm like, yes, doesn't necessarily mean anything. I haven't just like the fact that, Hey, they follow me back. That's so yeah, Jimmy, true. Jimmy Palmati is actually real cool. <laughs> yeah, he's I met him. Cool. I met him and, and Sarah Connor once at a at a what was it? At a Comic Con actually. Which one? I, I met them. The, what? I, I, and that's what I love about Long Beach Comic Con when it started out. There was barely anyone there, so you could just walk up to anybody, any comic book writer, artist. Like I met Jeff Johns at Long Beach Comic Con. Oh my god, that's now, so cool. No offense to Ray Fisher. I never got that vibe off of Jeff Johns, so it's surprising to see. Him. Yeah, that he got all. Yeah, but I support, it's okay. I support all of your heroes will let you down. Don't have heroes, everybody. Just you know, have people. Yeah. I just want to tell people: we, we, if me and Christian get famous, don't, 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 don't look up to us. We. We, we, we're yeah. not exactly the best role models in this one. <laughs> I used to be a big Lawrence Krauss fan, so like you know, just don't have heroes. It's okay. Everything's fine. I got to meet Zach the Black Ranger and um, Charlie Hunnam. <gasps> oh my god! Charlie Hunnam. Um, it was actually I didn't know they was filming. It was at the time they was filming Sons of Anarchy season four. So and it was behind the community college that I went to. I'm literally coming out the um the gym, and I'm looking. And I was like, "Oh, I see a dude with the um the with the sun's patch on." I'm like, "All right," and then all of a sudden, you see him coming out of his out of the uh, the <laughs> car they have the um, the cars they have for the actors. So I was mm-hmm. like, "I'm just gonna show right here and see what the hell's going on." And then when it was done filming, him, Kurt Sutter came out. Charlie Hunnam like gave like we had a good thirty minute conversation. I told him I like Green Street Hooligans. In his accent, I told him about Green Street Hooligans and Undeclared that he did with Jay Burrowshell and Seth Rogen. And he's yeah. like, you actually, he's like, you actually watched that show? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, shout out Undeclared. 
Uh, even uh, this is like Green Street Hooligans. Like, I'm surprised anyone out here seen. I was like, oh, dude. He was like, you don't know about Showtime HBO? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, that's right. And I took a picture with him. Like, like me people like, and you see on news sites and everything, he's good people. So you can tell he is, and he's a sneakerhead. So I like that. That's like I hung out with um Xavier Woods and Harley from Epic Meal Time one night. Got shit faced in SF, and I got to be in Harley's vlog because he was vlogging at the time. And Xavier Woods told me I smelled nice. It's the nicest best thing any- that's ever happened to me. Um, and they were just real cool. It was great. They're very fun. Very nice people. You like you being Xavier Woods? Um, yet, have you been to? He let me. Yeah, he like flexed, and he was he let me climb Mount Creed, which is what he calls it when he lets you feel his arm muscles. And I was like, this man has the biggest dick energy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I aspire to be like that much. Like, hey, what's up? Oh, man. The confidence. That that is that is big confidence. I, I don't have that. I have confidence, but not that confidence. Right? Imagine living like that all the time. That's just you. That's just who you are all the time. Yeah, I, I give I give off a a, a petty, uh, old petty person type of. That <laughs> 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 Golden Girls confidence. Yeah, Golden Girls. <laughs> Christian, we now, have, we now have a label for it, Christian. We got Golden Girls Wild. Because, <laughs> trust me and Christian, we can be petty to one another and we can just be petty to other people. And I just, oh. we admit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we yeah. literally admitted that, like, what? Not <laughs> 10 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. But we would, I don't think we was recording at, the, at 10 minutes ago. Ha-ha. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, now I have it on tape. And now, yeah, now we have it. Nah, fuck the world has it on. <laughs> but now there's nothing here. We're not. We're we're gonna normally for like 15, 20 minutes. We we do what we're doing now. And if y'all have this is your first time on the podcast. This is what we normally do. Then we get to the main topic, which is um, the top. Our topic. It can be 10, 11, 5. I said ten. So so far, everybody stuck to that number. Our top 10 games from this past console generation this week of November the 13th, 2020, the PS5, Xbox Series X, or if you've been listening to our podcast, we calling it the monolith. Seriously. It's it's the Xbox monolith because what else is it? I have the PS5 and I got the disc base because I'm super paranoid that they're going to stop making them with a disc like the PS3 that was backwards compatible. Mm-hmm. And Thank you. I, I can't justify how huge it is. Like, I don't know. It looks really cool and it fits to the side of my TV. So I have it like long ways and it looks like some future tech shit. But it's my Xbox One is behind it. And the Xbox One I used to think was huge. And it's smaller than the PS5. And so I don't know. The Xbox One just looks like vcr though because it's like you know it's that box shape whereas the ps5 is so kind of pretty and artistic and it lights up cool that i kind of like having it out like so should we switch it on the question we should call the playstation the monolith we'll call the playstation 5 the monolith pro and then the series x is now the monolith lg (laughs) i mean i get well, the only reason that we were saying monolith in general for the Xbox, right, was because it's like that thing out of 2001. Yeah. Thought- I think that this would be like if 2001 A Space Odyssey came out today, you know, this would be more of like uh, an ancient technology that also 
brew moves mankind forward peace. Yeah, but a, I do agree that the series actually looks more like the one from the movie. Yeah. It, it's a it's a precursor race like technology. Honestly, like dead ass, the PS5 looks like something from the Overwatch universe. Like it an does. Overwatch character would use <laughs> it. I was like, gonna... this is Echo's baby or something. I was yeah. gonna say iRobot. <laughs> or like Wally. It has a like, lot of different little girlfriend. I don't like it's that. interesting the way that they chose like simple black and white, but with those little curves, like we're already talking about multiple things that it kind of evokes. Well, and like the blue lights that come from the sides when it's on are just really pretty. I don't know. That's what gives it the like cool sci-fi vibe. I like it. Is it white or is it a more of a brighter, um, like a cooler gray? Because since you have it, it does it look white or does it like yeah, a cool gray? That's a good question. No, it is very much white. Okay. It is very much white. And what I think that I didn't realize, the dual sense feels amazing. But the dual sense, all of the white part is like matte. It's like grippy. It's like the entire white, like you know how the dual shocks are all very smooth on the handles and like mo- the entire body. The entire white part of the dual sense is grippy, like the Xbox One Pro controller, th- and the black parts are the only sleek parts that feel like an old dual shock. Okay, if that makes sense, yeah. which I like. So it's grippier. It has nice weight. Um, I really like it. It's it's a very nice controller. We're, nice. we're currently living through you because we're both broke and we can't get a um, console at the moment. So um, yeah, we pre-orders. <laughs> pre-orders went out way too quick. And I'm just yeah, broke. I actually opened Twitter by chance, and the first thing that was on the timeline was someone else retweeting Wario sixty four's link to the Amazon pre-orders, and so I just clicked it as like, a, oh look that link, expecting to see that it was sold out, and I happened to click it the moment it actually had gone live, and I got one. Wow, nice. Total chance. Wasn't even planning on pre-ordering one. I just thought it was going to be like a little goof. Hey, congrats. Um, Thank you. Right place, right time. Yeah. Right? 100% destiny. Have you played any games yet? On, the, um, on mm-hmm. the Which ones have you played? I played Bug Snacks, which is adorable. Like, I don't know. I don't know how anyone could start playing Bug Snacks and just not be delighted. The whole, at least... I played it for about 20 minutes last night, so I was doing a bunch of other stuff, but I was so joyful the whole time, and then I got to the point where, like, you get through all the tutorial stuff, and it feels like the game's about to open up, and I was like, I can't wait to go back to this and just play this and be smiling the whole time. Um, It's very cute. It's cool. It's kind of more like... It's not as much like Pokemon Snap as I thought. You have to Pokemon Snap, but then you have to Pokemon catch them. And so, like, it's, it's cool. Like, you have to Snap to, like, see what, like lures and shit they like and like what path they're taking and then you have to set traps to catch them along their path that have like you know some of the bugs like ketchup because it's like a little burger and so if you put ketchup next to your trap the little burger guy will come up to it and then you can like hide behind a rock and activate the trap and catch him and so you have to catch all the different pokemon bugs um and it's really cute and cool and then I played the Astro Boy game that actually comes with the PS5. And I thought it was going to be short, like the uh, Playroom that came with PSVR. I don't know if you guys played that. I haven't. Okay. It's not very long. Like, the one that comes with the PSVR is a cute little platformer with the Astrobot, who's adorable. And it's, I don't know, like 20 minutes long. It's, it's short. It's like one, two levels. I don't even really remember. But it was cute. It was like a little bite of VR. Very cute. 
I thought this was going to be like that, but to showcase all the stuff that the DualSense does, kind of like 1-2-Switch did with the Switch controllers. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, it has four levels that each have, like, or it has four worlds that each have four levels in them, and they all have different mechanics, and it's just, there's tons of nostalgia, and each world is based off a different generation of PlayStation, and so, like... I played the PlayStation 3 generation and I found a PSP. I found a PSP Go. I found in a PlayStation I and some move controllers. I found the big honking original PS3. And you have to like, those are like all of the secret rare items that you can find if you find the secret places in the in the different 3D platforming levels like any standard 3D platformer has. Oh. Um, and then while you go, you're collecting coins and you can also find puzzle pieces. And the puzzle pieces put together these murals that are like these cool graffiti art murals of each generation. And it's just a really cute, like, played it for like two hours and got through one level. So that's about how long it'll probably be. Um, well, yeah, like one world, I'm sorry. Like one of the four level world. And it was really good and cute. And it does. It showcases all of the stuff that the dual sense can do. And it's really cool. So like, if, you, if like, let's say you have the little minifig swing with the right hand you only would you well like with the controller like since that or oh, this is coming from the right side so which means it's going to shake from the right side like is like the controller actually like oh it's it's a 3d platformer um that doesn't use like motion controls a lot um there's one level that uses motion controls because you're like a little spring robot and so you have to tilt which direction you want to like face your spring in and then you like use buttons to like propel yourself in that direction so it does have some motion but most of it is just like a standard like i don't know banjo kazooie type like 3d traditional 3d platformer um but what's cool about it is it's not so much like directional like that what's cool is that like when you have to like so when you're the like little spring you have to like choose how loaded you're going to be by using the triggers and the haptic feedback makes the trigger feel like you're pushed like it gives the resistance of you pushing on a spring and the controller has a speaker in it and i loved when they used that on the ds4 um but on the dual sense they use it to great effect to like make like a little spring sound like the sound of a spring creaking as you're pushing on it and so like when you're like walking over wood the controller rumbles in a way that like is tied to the sound that comes out of the controller of like a person walking over wood so it really feels like you're walking over wood as opposed to like then you walk over um stone and the stone is way smoother and you make different sounds as you go as like your little robot guy clomps over it and so when you're playing you get like different feedback based on like Yes, when you get hit and things like that, but also as you're like interacting with different materials, especially with the speakers, the sounds coming out of everything is so stinking cute. Like the bug snacks, the bug snacks work like Pokemon is in the fact that they say their own name. Yeah, it's definitely like Pokemon. Oh my god, I'm I'm pretty sure there's there's going to be a Pokemon s game on the play. Has there ever been a Pokemon s game on the PlayStation? Um, huh. I don't think so. I don't think so. Like, that seems, that seems interesting. Like, I you think know, Cooney, some people say is like a Pokemon type game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really get other than the fact that like you can like the little critter guys, but, um, other than Nino Cooney, nothing really come to mind. But 
Bugsnax is very Pokemon-like. Like, I think this is. <laughs> um, I haven't played, like I said, crazy long, but it, it does absolutely, like, there's a little dex. There's, like, you can hold six Bugsnax in your little trap. Um, and so this does very much feel like that. And um, when you catch one, you'll catch it in, like, on the TV. You'll see it get caught. But out of your controller, you'll know it's caught because you'll hear the bug snack coming out of your controller saying its own name. So, you'll, like, you'll catch it on, sc- on screen, and then your controller will be like, Strawby! And it's so cute because you caught huh. a little Strawby. Um, or, like, I caught a Rudel. It was, like, a snake carrot thing. It was really cute. And so when I caught it, my controller was like, Rudel! <laughs> Yeah, they're get, they're going really hard with the uh, with like the integration of like just how the controller feels and stuff with the games now. Huh? Yes, absolutely. That's the thing I got the most out of it. Is like you really like. I don't know. Maybe some people won't like it, but a lot of times I feel like the intent is to make you forget you're holding a controller. And with this, it's almost the opposite. Oh, because like Does that make it, sense? it's almost like always doing something, so you feel like you're actively holding something that's like trying to. Like it's a part, like a tool, like almost like how in peripherals when you're using the like wheel for Mario Kart, like you're always cognizant you're holding a wheel. It's like that. It's like you're using a tool to aid you to play this game in a way that you usually don't, ironically, think of a controller, even though that's obviously what it does. Yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say yeah, because normally you would just uh, after a little while of gaming, most likely you would just kind of forget that you're holding the controller and you're focusing more on the button presses at that point. Than like right. actually thinking about consciously holding the controller. I know because I was watching um, Greg Miller playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, and he said there is a difference where he's pulling. Like you can feel it where he's pulling, so it feels like the controller is pulling as well. Or when he's shooting out the web and he's web swinging, like you can actually feel. The yes. As opposed to the the whole controller just shaking. You no, know, you just you literally can feel the direction that the web is pulling the person. And I was like, holy. Like the triggers will feel like you're always triggering something with them, but like when you trigger a trap versus you get like a slingshot so you can throw like bait and stuff, when you use that slingshot and you use the same triggers to trigger the slingshot's actions, it feels different than when you use those triggers to press the trigger on your trap. And so I don't know this, but I would have to assume that, like, if you were into first-person shooters and different gun triggers in real life feel different, it like it would be very obvious to me that that's something that they're going to try to be doing. Is focusing out on like you're not just pulling the trigger on the controller. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they found a way to make a controller more interactive. <laughs> that should be the most interactive thing on the planet already. And I hate to say that the Dual Sense makes a lot of sense as a name. Because I refuse to call it anything but the DualShock 5. Um, <laughs> but it really does. Like, the DualSense really makes you, like, sense your controller more. And it really brings more of your senses into gaming in a way that, like, sorry, gaming is usually only an audiovisual medium, let's be real. But it, it really is trying to add more of that, like, tactile sense in a lot of ways that I think succeeded more than with the DualShock 4. That's why hmm. I, I can't wait to get one because I'm already, I'm hearing great things about Ghost of Tsushima that has been ported over to the PS5 and how it made good use of the DualSense controller. Um, even like I'm and I'm, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, like my brothers know this, but the game that's coming out that I'm not going to call it Harry Potter, just I'm going to call it the Hogwarts game. Hearing that you breaking down the controller gets me very interested to see how Warner Brothers is going to be using that 
um, utilizing the controller when that Harry Potter, well, that Hogwarts game, when it comes out. Like, casting spells, like, going against enemies. Hell, even a Lego game. I'm pretty sure right now, Traveler's Tales are really in deep on whatever next property they're working on for the next Lego game. I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Mm-hmm. So this is, oh my god. We're, we're in the next gen, people. Oh my god. This is so it's good. so good. That's why we have to look back on what we're going to call the current gen for this episode, even though technically it's last gen. It's not. It's current gen. I can't. I have a next gen console. I don't have a current gen console. So I'm not ready to, to change. Okay, so we're, we're current gen will be PlayStation, PlayStation PS4, PS, uh, Xbox, um, Xbox One, and the Switch. While the next gen is now the PS5 and the Series X, or the Monolith, and now the Monolith Pro. <laughs> I mean, or we, no, we can call it the RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, everybody's going to be like, what? Tough but fair. I mean, come on. That thing is really, like, I'm legit, I don't even have the console yet, and I'm already figuring out how to switch up my setup. Like, it's bigger than my cat, but smaller than my dog. I I hope that helps. (laughs) (laughs) Like, based off of size comparison stuff, I'm looking physically at where my Xbox One is right now, and I'm just imagining, I think that thing would probably reach up to the to half the height of my TV. So I can actually help you with that a lot, because my Xbox One is vertical next to, or I should say perpendicular to, my PS5. And they are about the same width, but the PS5 is, I don't know, maybe two inches taller. Okay. Wow, that would be... That's why it's bigger. <laughs> Yeah, so it's about, I would say, about two inches taller than the Xbox One. That's why when I put it down, I was like, oh, it's way bigger than the Xbox One. Like, it's it's taller when they're both oh. vertical. Wow. Um, did you get rid of your um, your current-gen consoles for, um, for, the, um, for this next-gen one, or are you still having them? Absolutely not. You can stream your PS5 on your PS4. So, like, my PS4 in my bedroom, I can play my PS5 on it. So now I have a PS5 in every room in the house. I know, because I have the... Um... I, I just now finished downloading Miles Morales on the PS4, and PS5 just popped up on my screen. I'm like, I don't have one yet, PlayStation. Somebody said, I don't know if this is true. I'm so sorry, everyone listening. Someone said that once you redeem the PlayStation Plus collection games on PS5, which you can only do on PS5, you can play them on PS4. So that would be really cool. I haven't checked yet. I downloaded all of them because it's really cool. Like my biggest problem with buying a console at launch is usually that you get this really expensive console and then there's no games to play for it. And also you just spent all your money and don't have money for games. (laughs) But I have not spent a dime on games. I bought the PS5 and that is it. But I have Bug Snacks. I have Persona. I have Fallout 4. I have... God of War, which I haven't played, so I'm going to play God of War for the first time. Um, Call of Duty's on there. There's like 20 games for the PlayStation Plus collection that you just get on PS5, and they're surprisingly all good. And then Shadow of Mordor is a PS Plus game, and uh, Hollow Knight is a PS Plus game. So without spending... And it came with Astrobots, little platformer. And so without spending any money, I have all of these games that I'm honestly like, shit, I don't know which PS5 game I want to play. And that's not usually what happens when a generation starts for me i know for um we, me and christian talked about it um during the summer when it was summer games fest we did talk about um 
when they were talking about games as a service or not games as a service, just um, like Game Pass and then the PlayStation Now, um, we did talk about and but like these games being playable now and and it's coming true. Like I already when they announced Infamous Second Son, I was like I bought that literally <coughs> like two months after it released um, on the PS4. Um, so I was like I still have it. I still have Watch Dogs too. Like when they announced these, like hey, I got majority of those games already, so I I already have things to play. And then I have Game Pass thanks to a friend who gave me like a free access code to play it for three months to play it, the Outer Worlds. And oh, nice, good game. It really is a good game. Um, and I, I can't wait for the murder on Aerodanos when it comes out next year. So like, there's a there's a wealth of games to play on both consoles, even if you don't have enough money, like you just said for a new game so i i think that's what um and plus we're in the pandemic and then everyone even though most people do have enough to buy a console i think sony and microsoft was thinking all right our consumers probably have enough for a console but they don't have enough for extra peripherals let's make sure we integrate the online service so like they have something to play yeah and i will say that xbox is consistently like better at that with game pass so it's almost like I'm giving Sony, like, credit because they really are doing it well with the PS5, and I'd love to see them, like, keep this energy. (laughs) Uh, Because the Game Pass is just awesome. Like, one of the reasons we went with the PS5 instead of an Xbox One Series X is because everything for at least the next couple of years is coming to Xbox One, which we have. And, like, I have a PC if there's something that the Xbox One just runs really shitty but technically runs, so they didn't lie. Like, you know, so we're, we're covered on the games front. I just, you know really wanted to play bug snacks and i really wanted to play um I, and i'm really paranoid about the disc not being available later uh, and things like that so i felt like if you're gonna get one at launch ps5 was a smarter choice and that the xbox one picking up when it has like that cool special edition a year from now for a game series that one of like my roommate or i really like uh is gonna be way cooler and then for me i said i was gonna get the xbox first because i have i have more games on like I le- legit looked on that on the on my Xbox One today, and it says you have over one hundred games. I was like, holy fuck! I didn't realize I had that much. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I will buy an Xbox first because I know I can play. But then, the only thing that would make me get a PlayStation right off the bat would be um, Tsushima, so I can play it again, and Cyberpunk. But I can also play Cyber. Well, I know Cyberpunk is not going to be on. Game, um, Game Pass, but I know I can just play it when my brother gets it. So I wouldn't be surprised if, X- if Cyberpunk was on Game Pass relatively soon because Xbox, that's the level of like impressive Xbox has with Game Pass, where I honestly wouldn't yeah. be that surprised if in like I was honestly months. really surprised when I saw um, Gears of War on there in the first place, yeah. right? Like, I, I mean, the Outer it, Worlds, yeah, was huge to do at launch for me. Like, you know, they, they're very, very good with it, <laughs> full uh, credit. And also give credit to PlayStation for also making their yearly subscription between the prices of twenty seven dollars, which is currently right now twenty seven dollars. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I gotta get I that. I didn't renew until they had a deal. Actually, Shoot. Um, and my uh, my PlayStation uh, subscription is all the way up to twenty twenty four. Nice. So. Oh uh, yeah, got a lot, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> when we when we got the stimulus. You, I bought like multiples of these on PlayStation Plus. So, 
Oh, that's so smart. I'm covered for the, for the next good year. So whenever that's I get, super smart. So whenever I get my PS5, I'm ready to go. Nice. Yep. And speaking, I got my PS5 this year, so it could be a tax write-off. Oh. <laughs> Wait, uh, yeah, if you stream and have to file a 1099. Damn. See, I'm at the cusp. Of, I'm at the cusp of being affiliate, but I'm so lazy, and hence why my Twitch name is is the same as my IG and Twitter name. Desi is dead. I'm keeping the Twitch channel dead because <laughs> I guess this goes back to at the start of the um our, this episode before we go into our top games. Um, I. To me, I'm iffy on streaming now more than ever because now you can't play. I'm noticing you can't play in-game music anymore. You can't play. I already know you can't play licensed music, which means musical artists. But now it looks like it's getting to the point where you can't play the game. You can't play game music anymore. And I'm like, what is the point of me wanting to play Mass stream Mass stream Mass Effect or Dragon Age or Outer Worlds anymore if I can't enjoy with anyone? Yeah, and like for me. To be honest, I don't make most of my Twitch money from Twitch. I make most of my Twitch money from, like, people that watch me and then support me on Patreon. Like, people that watch me and join my Discord. And then, like, when I do Discord streams of things that I can't Twitch. Like, I'll do Discord Netflix watch parties because you can't do that on Twitch. And so sometimes people will be like, oh, I'll just donate directly because I have, like, a donation link in my Twitch page. And so some people just donate directly. And some people just will sign up for Patreon uh for various things and so i get my usually more those ways than i do from counting on like people to come in to twitch regularly because i don't know i like i twitch stream very specific things so i haven't had to worry too much i will say i bought just dance to stream during quarantine like mm -hmm. two weeks before all the dmca strikes came mm -hmm. and like i was like okay cool and i'm just gonna do it on switch so it's gonna take some like reworking of my setup and so i was figuring all the logistics and cord management of that out and then all the DMCA strikes happen, and I'm like, oh, I'm never streaming Just Dance. So, like, yeah, there, it definitely changes some of the things that I do stream. But, like, um, I get nervous with things like Persona, where they put the restriction where you couldn't stream past April when the game first came out. Like, that, to me, is way more scary. Um, because I don't... If I could stream music, it would make me do more things. Like, I would craft stream more than I do. Um, I would probably do cooking streams more than I do. But it's limiting, but it's not a deal breaker yet. My concern is that Twitch really is just dropping the ball constantly. Yep. Constantly. It's, it's just just spend the money. Just spend the money. Get the license. You're fucking Amazon. You have the money. I don't care how expensive it is. Let's get going. Let's stop pretending that you're shocked Pikachu gif because, oh, my God, <laughs> we... we there's they're actually doing that thing where we didn't have a license and so now they're not letting our streamers stream sounds like a streamer problem uh no it don't <laughs> like, yeah, like, sounds like a service problem for sure yeah, like, your entire creative section that you spent years trying to actively grow and keep adding to and keep throwing money at is going to disappear overnight if you keep these shenanigans up i know just like that's why the one of the reasons i never made affiliate because it was like I got hit with a copyright strike on YouTube and Facebook when I posted a video of Watch Dogs 2. And I was like, wait a minute. This is just the in-game music. It's not me. And I was like... And oh, plus Facebook is way worse. You can't post anything on Facebook. That's how you'll really get struck. Yeah, yeah. when I was doing uh, campaign work, we couldn't... Like, we would live stream campaign rallies. Mm -hmm. 
that have opening like music plays, you know, when like Liz Warren walks on stage and nine to five plays and Facebook would strike like copyright strike all of our videos because you could hear nine to five in the background of the screaming crowd. Yeah. I'm like, and, that's, and, I, and I learned that I was like, and this was like the Watch Dogs 2 thing was what? Three years ago. So I'm like, okay, I, I know I'm not, if I can't, I can't do this on YouTube. I've been to this. I can't do that on YouTube, but I'm, I go back to Twitch Oh, the video's already gone. I was like, oh, okay. I don't have to worry about you no more. Um, yep. But now, I was like, okay, that's Watch Dogs 2. What if I go back to play Dragon Age Inquisition? I had no problems with it before. I'm more likely going to have problems now. And then, another thing about streaming, which I don't get, even if you do get people watching you, I'm horrible at engaging anyone. I'd rather be the one watching you play so I can engage with you as opposed to me playing and then I have to force engage with the person while I'm playing the game. Oh, that's great for me. That's I need more people like you than there are people like me, or else the whole thing doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be more people that want to watch. I started streaming because I don't know how to shut the fuck up, and I used to talk to the TV all the time. Like, I just pretend people were, like, somebody was hanging out with me, and I would just, like, crack a joke or, like, just talk to the fucking TV like a crazy person. And so I was like, if I go on Twitch, even if no one's there, I don't look crazy because technically I'm live. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that is how my Twitch career began. And that's that is me, but I I always wanted to do radio. So every time, sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna say this. If like I'm doing an open dialogue with myself, even if I'm watching something that's like kind of like either kind of funny or what I also watch is called SCN Live, where they have open discussion topics like we like we normally do. I would like mm -hmm. think I'm in the middle of the conversation sometimes, and then I'm like, all right, I will not say this on my own show. And I turn around. And oh, but say I would. It. <laughs> yeah. And I turn around and say it anyway. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. But still, just go with it. Yeah, I just go with the flow. And and that's one of the things I won't do on Twitch. Like on Twitch, like let's say I'm watching your video and you say something, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna inter interact because you openly ask for it. Like if it's something like like me doing it, I'll more likely just be playing the game. Like anybody game. This is legit me. Play, uh, there will be a, s a few seconds of dead air, all right? Let's say I'm playing Dragon Age. Okay. Anybody have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is it. That's me. And then I think the one time I actually had like a string of people asking me questions, I did, um, this is definitely a long time ago. I did an uh, extra live stream with um, Katie. So I was under her group um, doing, uh, it was my 24 hours, and I did Inquisition from, I'm surprised I got that far, from the Hinterlands all the way towards the last um, the last map before you, um, before you get to Corypheus. I forgot the name of that area. And all of a sudden, like those last four hours, I just got a string of people were like, Oh man, how did you defeat that dragon? I was like, oh, oh my god, I have people asking questions. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> I, I gotta interact. <laughs> <laughs> like I kept on pausing, playing, pausing, playing. I was like, all right, look, people, I will tell you how I went through it until I kill the dragon. I can't talk and play at the same time. I just realized I can't do that. 
that's one of the reasons I won't stream Overwatch is because most games I have no problem talking and playing, but Overwatch I either have to suck at Overwatch and talk at chat, talk to chat, or ignore chat and completely focus on the game because I'm not that good at it. <laughs> like the only game I can do that is by playing Grand Theft Auto because I'm like we're not we're all not taking it seriously. Right, you gotta have fun with it. That's why I like streaming like Jackbox parties and stuff too. That's always really fun. Like, Jackbox is a really good one for that. Mm-hmm. I think the only way you go, anyone's going to give me the stream again if I play Among Us. See, that was I'm trying to get you to play Among Us, man. I you should not, play Among Us. I have, I have not, a party in my Discord. Okay. I would, I, Christian, I have not once heard you say, let's play Among Us. Dude, the it. last time I asked you for, to play Among Us, you were like, you know I don't play multiplayer games. Fuck that shit. I don't play multiplayer games either, but I did start playing Among Us, and it's low-key really fun. <laughs> First off, I looked at videos for Among Us. It's technically, I'm not classified as a multiplayer game. All right, then get in an Among Us game with me, man. Let's yeah, come on. Yeah, we do Among Us on weekends. Like, literally, we'll be playing Among Us either tomorrow or Sunday. Because Christian's not the only one that asks me to play. But if it's games like Borderlands, Call of Duty. No. Mm-mm. No. No, no I, I don't play multiplayer games. I what made me finally burnt, and now the world will know why I stopped playing multiplayer games. Destiny, Vault of Glass. We grind that fucking section of the game, and I shit you not, we started at five p.m. It is now at the time when we finally stopped was four in the morning. Over Damn. And over. Cheesy Pete's. Grinding. Grind. I hate, this is why I don't like games as a service. Because of the, like, Fortnite, Marvel's Avengers, um, PUBG. Any games that would constantly make you grind to get through a fucking game. Okay. Marvel's Avengers is already dead. You didn't have to hit it. Come I'm, on. I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing it back. It's setting it on fire, scorching the <laughs> earth, and then burying it back. They could have, they could have took Marvel's Avengers in a whole, like, they literally had um, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, a good base. Like you can do, have the game mechanic of Ultimate Alliance, but still keep the story of Marvel's Avengers. But the story looks interesting. But you could like they could have did it whole differently. They chose to do it as a games as a service game. That was just a Marvel. Imagine if it was the Marvel versus Capcom four that we deserved. Yeah, um, and now Marvel Games is one in one. Spider well two and one, Spider Man and Miles Morales are two wins. Marvel's Avengers is now their black eyes. It hmm. is uh, like Spider Man when it comes out in twenty twenty one. Spider Man is not going to save Marvel's Avengers. I'll say this here: it's not going to save it. It, it, it. Damn, it's it's not. Um, but that's, making his yeah, it's, it's not going to. Then that's why I don't like uh, multiplayer games because like why do we have to constantly grind? And then plus. It, I was playing. I was fortunate enough to be playing with friends, so it, it wasn't that bad. But when you get when you hear people constantly bitching about who got what, then it starts getting to you know. Like I was literally questioning my friends at the moment. Like, really, y'all complaining because I got a rare gun and y'all didn't. <laughs> That's not what a real friend does. Just gonna say that seriously. 
think you're probably real friends only, only blame RN Jesus. And you're this, right. And this is me getting that was me being irritated. And then now it's my turn. We grind, like I said, from five p from like three five p.m. to the following um a.m. When we finally completed it, I was already cursing everyone out, cursing the game out, cursing the game studio out, cursing <laughs> everyone that's that's within earshot. Even my brother who's getting ready for work, I cursed him out because he was like, "What the hell's going on?" And then the game got the nerve to give me points to level up, but didn't give me nothing like tangible to like the like because you like you i'm like wait a minute i don't get no armor i don't get no gun i don't even get a skin i get points point fuck you <laughs> like <laughs> fuck bungee this even made me more don't want everyone to play halo i was like fuck anything that has to do with bungee i'm done i'm done with multiplayer games i haven't touched borderlands 2 I haven't touched. Don't any- play Borderlands, you guys. Don't play Borderlands. I played Borderlands <laughs> one, two, the pre-sequel. I tried to play Borderlands three. I don't like the story. And then the behind the scenes with Randy Pitchford. Fuck Randy Pitchford. Like, how can you make so much money, but your the people who are actually making the game are making so less? I can't. Yeah. I can't support a studio that does that. And like hiring Chris Hardwick was a hard no for me. Oh, that one. That's uh. Oh, ah. I never. You know what? I never liked the Chris Hardwick in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since MT, you know, Christian was probably like a wee infant at the time. Why you gotta always bring that shit up, man? I'm <laughs> going to. Um, when Chris Hardwick was one time of MTV VJ, he just gave off of a vibe. I was like, nah, don't like you. And then I watch G4. I see Chris Hardwick again. I'm like, what? Dude from MTV? What the hell he knows about tech? Where's Chris Gore? <laughs> oh, like, seriously, where's Chris Gore? I, I want Chris Gore on here. I don't, I don't want Chris Hardwick. <laughs> and then Talking Dead. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then I actually was in, and this is, the, here's the weirdest, I, I shoot you now. I, I don't mean to bring this out, but. Um, this is, bef- this is between, I guess at the time, Chloe Dystra was coming out saying what he did. I was on a, I was, I was not in the panel, but I was at the panel that Chris Hardwick, Jessica Chobot, I legit sat next to Blair Herder. I tried so hard not to be like, I was a fan of you on road rules. I was trying not to do that. <laughs> I didn't do it. I, I had composure. I wanted to, but I didn't. Um... But I was like, I was like, who's the who's the host? I thought Chobot was hosting the panel. No, it was Hardwick. I'm like, oh my god. And I see Chloe Dystra sitting next to um, Chris, um, to Blair Herder. Now this is after the panel, and the way how he looked at her, and she was like so subservient. I was like, what? That don't look right. And then when everything that came out, I was like, you know that meme of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV from um. Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. I, when she came out, I was like, and when she talked about um, WonderCon, I was like, I was there. I, I always thought that Kevin Spacey was a lot like James Gordon Jr. from the Batman comics, and so I felt incredibly like that when everyone found out that Kevin Spacey was terrifying. Yeah, that is a damn good pull. 
I, it's accurate. I, I, damn. If y'all don't know what she's talking about, read the current issue of Batgirl during Joker War. War, You'll understand the whole thing about James Or just Gordon. Google James Gordon Jr. and read That's his true. wiki entry. It doesn't... You don't have to trip that hard. It's just comics. Yeah, but comics are... It's getting... Or good. just read Batman... What? Batman Hush? Oh, that's a good one. Yes, Batman Hush is a good one. Uh, with the what's the one with yeah, with James Gordon Jr. and it's all the really heavy red and blue coloring. That art was gorgeous. Oh, I don't think that was. I don't think that was Hush. I think that was um. You said red it was this right. It was the story where he like he got out and everyone thought that he was chill and then he was very not chill. I think. And then he just stabs her in the leg. I want to say Killing Joke. Was it? Kill- I was like, it's one of the big ones. It's either Hush, Killing Joke, Killing fucking. Killing uh, Joke was Joker. Um, I mean, uh, Long Halloween. What was it? Dark Victory. No, 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 no. I, it's I, not about the Killing Joke. But yes, read all of those. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. We're gonna have to get you back on for a comic book episode. I love everything. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, we're... It's hard. My life's hard. Um. The, the wheels are turning to make you a permanent co-host. Um, <laughs> we are... Ooh, 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 good God. We're at the 52-minute mark, and we're now finally going to go into our top 10 games of this current-gen consoles, and I'm going to go last, because I, oh, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more conspiracy theory man right now, because I'm looking at my list more and more. Um, since you're the guest, Kaylee... I knew I was going to have to do the guest goes first thing. I knew it! Yep. Okay, I worked really hard on this list. Um, I don't think, I have no idea which of my takes are hot. I feel like there's probably going to be a hot take or two on here, but I don't know which ones they are. Um, So I'm going to go from the bottom up, like, in terms of how I thought of them, not in, like, terms of rank, like, 10 to 1. Um, But the last on my list, I can't believe I almost forgot it, is Overwatch, actually. Um, Overwatch is the first first first-person shooter I've ever played. It's the only multiplayer game that I play. Um... I'm a lady, so I have never in my life been on voice chat with anyone that wasn't a friend of mine in a party. So I've always had a great time playing Overwatch. Um, if you only experience it like that, it's a good game. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I can't remember when it came out or anything like that because time is a weird construct. So if you guys tell me that this was a PS3 game, I will believe you and die. You dropped off for a second. What was that after um, you said about um, playing as, um, as a lady? Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, this came out on PS4, right? Like, I'm so afraid I didn't look this one up because I was yeah, so it, confident. It, it. Right? This is, a, this is a this gen. If you told me, like, oh, Kaylee, that's a PS3 game that then got ported to PS4, I'd have to, like, think about it. <laughs> no, no, you're good. It's uh, okay. 2015, so two years after it came out. Or okay. after the PS4 came out. Perfect. Yeah, I almost forgot about it, but it is. I have to put it on here because it is the only multiplayer game that I've ever played. It's the only one that I still play even somewhat consistently. Um, It's super duper fun, and it's great, even if you have absolutely no skills or, like me, have no idea how to play a first-person shooter. You can still have fun. Should I read all of them? Are we going all of mine, or are we going one at a time? I can't remember. Oh, all of them. All of them. Okay, so then after that... This is one way I really need help. I have a switch out if this one's borderline. I looked it up. My next one is a game that came out in 2012 and is my favorite 3DS game. So that's why I decided to go with it. And I'm afraid that it because it's 
This console generation, Wikipedia told me, started in 2011. So I think this counts. But my next pick was Fire Emblem Awakening. Okay. Uh, Right? If it's borderline, I would replace it with Three Houses. But if you ask me which of those two games is better, I think it's Awakening. Because I love the child no, I would, it makes, I would completely agree with you. Right? It makes narrative sense, unlike it kind of did in Fates, so it doesn't feel like super awkward shoehorned in. Right. Um, the characters are all really good. The story's really good. Um, I just love those long-time jumps in games, especially in the Fire Emblem games that used to be, like, one of their big things. And I just It's a good one. I love... I used to... Like, PS2, I started playing Disgaea, or, and so I've always loved that type of gameplay, and so Fire Emblem Awakening was my first introduction into, like, oh, Disgaea is actually a genre of games, and yeah, I can like play more game. of these, right? Like, yeah, yeah. what's the word for this? Turn-based RPG! I, it turns out I like those! And so it was just great fun. I think the first one that did that for me was Advance Wars, I think? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, like, very much like Fire Awakening, kind of like, uh, what was it? Sacred. Oh, what was it? Sacred. Sacred stones. Yeah. It, it like reminded me very much of the same kind of aesthetic, except it was like modern quote unquote warfare. Cause you're using tanks and units and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, but yeah, the, those turn-based strategies, those early ones are like very formative. <laughs> They're so good. Makes me feel so clever. You know, it's like, this is what cool people play instead of chess. <laughs> this is people are always talking about 3d chess and sci-fi like you know it's always like a thing where it's just like a tea cake tier thing but with chess pieces on it no 3d chess like 4d 5d chess is turn-based rpgs star trek right like picard would play fire emblem awakening i believe yeah that actually probably right <laughs> think about it yeah. think about it for five seconds um my next game is Final Fantasy fourteen, which I don't count as a multiplayer game because I don't play it as a multiplayer game. I play it only by myself. And then when I go into the like raids, their party raids, in my mind those are just NPCs. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like if you're if you're like me, then you don't like multiplayer games and you're like, oh, should I play Final Fantasy fourteen? I would say, one, Final Fantasy XIV is a single-player game. Two, you could be a seven-foot-tall, sexy rabbit lady like me. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I've tried basically every MMO that's come out since I was a kid, and the only MMO that's ever stuck for me is Maple Story. <laughs> and so I've tried Elder Scrolls Online. I tried Lotro. I tried Mobby Yogi. I tried Dungeon Fighter Online. Like, I, I played the games. But Final Fantasy XIV is the first MMO I've played since Maple Story, which I have been playing since I was in middle school and still play regularly. Um, City <laughs> I stream Maple Story. I'm like the only Maple Story streamer in this country. It's fun. <laughs> Um, it's been a while since I've heard anything about MapleStory. Yeah, fair. guess what? You, I love it. You know, if you go to cons now, MapleStory Two came out and bombed because it's not a two D platformer; it's a three D platformer. So it's it stupid. Yeah, and it <laughs> bombed. I don't think it even exists anymore. I don't know. It's all about one. It's very good still. If you're curious, still very good. Um, <laughs> but Final Fantasy fourteen, I do my dailies every day. Um, even if I'm only playing for like that thirty minutes. Um, 
it's just great to hop on and there's great fashion and I'm a really high level cook and I'm a really high level crafter and you can just play for weeks without ever fighting anything like you can pretend you're an NPC in a Final Fantasy world if that's what you want like it's just a great game for role playing like I have my D&D character as a character that I built in Final Fantasy 14 and so like when I'm playing that one I'll just be like going around role playing sometimes I won't even be fighting shit I'm just role playing as like that D&D character um that's what i do in my free time wait, wait. <laughs> did yeah. desi did you tell her about our D stuff no not yet i want to ease her in <laughs> so i i dm our game every sunday <laughs> no way yeah so i used to have a dungeons and dragons podcast but now i don't do team projects so um i i have a DD character that i'm just very attached to and so i put her in final fantasy 14 and now i've just been like i've extended her lore by like playing through final fantasy 14 that's and awesome yeah it's like if you, if that sounds like if you're into D, you can absolutely just do that in final fantasy like the character creator is fantastic it's just a really good mmo it really is and again there are people who are like really into like i have a lot of friends that go really hard with the multiplayer and they're in a bunch of free companies and you know they have discords of final fantasy 14 I I play a single player game. I have a bunch of friends who are like, oh, we should play Final Fantasy fourteen together, and I'm like, yeah. But what if you laugh at me? I don't know. I don't like playing around other people. It makes me anxious. <laughs> what if they judge me? They're like, oh, you have that weapon on that character, and I'm like, I don't know. It was cute. So, <laughs> I'm saying right. That, you always have that one weapon in an RPG that you like because the aesthetic. Yeah. In you Persona 4 to... Golden, I had Yosuke keep his Inaba Trout weapons throughout the entire game. Because what was going to top that? Something that wasn't grilled fish? No. <laughs> there you go. Just, I just want to be happy, so I play alone. So Final Fantasy XIV is that game. Um, my next game, I think we were talking a little bit beforehand, and I got my ears perked because my next game on the list is Injustice 2. Oh, that's a good. Um, Injustice Two is my favorite fighting game of this generation. I played it so much just for the. F- I have a folder of hundreds of pictures of just me taking pictures of like my different poison ivy combos as I'm unlocking them, and like my super cute Harley Quinn. And I was playing Catwoman just because I found an outfit of hers that I liked, and the item system in injustice 2 made me play that game so much longer than any fighting game had ever kept me um my ex-boyfriend of like half a decade was really big in the fighting game scene so i used to be like very like absorbed like i used to run tournaments out of my house and so i always had like a character or two in every fighting game that i could play and like would if they needed to like round out tournament numbers and stuff but i never like played hardcore alone like working through everything the way that i did with injustice 2 because i just i needed to get the level up on all my characters so i could get the fashion like i need to unlock this color combination on black canary or i'll die like it was the most fun um i love the injustice comics like the comic books even if you don't play fighting games reading the injustice comic book series is a great thing that i recommend to anybody who is also interested in dabbling like their toes into comics but they're afraid to jump in because it's so self-contained and it's a really great story and it has a lot of really great green arrow black canary stuff and i'm a huge black canary fan um and uh so the comics themselves are really good so injustice is a really good game but injustice 2 had no business being good and then it was amazing so to me that's why injustice 2 had to take it yeah, so I go with that. Um, 
my next one is where we get into territory where like Nintendo had to be so awkward where they're like, no, we're going to come out with the Wii U and then psych, that's not our entry for this generation. It's the Switch, but also we're not going to do a Switch 2 until like probably almost to the end, but not quite of the next generation or whatever. Like we're just, you know, fuck generations, like right? Like, so I was nervous about Switch games because I'm like, oh, where does Switch fall? But I had to put, you know, show it a little love. And my thought of, like, what was a game that I just absolutely worshipped the last, like, 10 years or however long the generation was. And I put Let's Go Eevee. Pokemon Let's Go Eevee made me so happy. I've been playing, like, Pokemon was my first video game. I got a Game Boy Color for my birthday. And then I got Pokemon Blue and Pokemon Yellow with it. Um, And my grandfather was very confused why I bought the same game in two different colors. (laughs) I just like I've always played all the Pokemon games and so I didn't play a lot of Black 2. I missed yeah, X and Y. That was the first generation I missed because like Black was okay and then Black and White 2 was like eh. and then X and Y I just like I was like I don't have time I'm working like four jobs I'm a millennial and so I didn't get back to it till later um when i played sun and moon and i played moon and it was so bad it made me so angry it was the first pokemon game i didn't like and it was just i got like 20 hours into it and i was just like i don't want to play this anymore and i was so sad that i just didn't want to play a pokemon game (laughs) i'm just happy somebody else said it because all of my friends that still play pokemon like like bash me for not liking sun and moon (laughs) no you like sun and moon you start and it's like here do you want to have all of the coolest rarest types right at the beginning of the game so there's no like what i would like to do is like decide like i like to have a well-rounded team so it's like okay cool you know i finally got my water one and then it's like okay i have to keep going because i can't get to a good electric one until i unlock this area but with this it's just like here do you want a fucking ice ghost type that's a level five at the start of the game it's just like there was no challenge there and then the way that the badges were done i can tell you the exact moment i stopped playing pokemon moon there was like a little not badge that you needed to get. And so the mini game was, oh, all these Pokemon are going to do a little dance and then they're going to do it again and you have to say what's different. And then I did like two rounds of that. And then the third round, not even the first one, the third round, the Pokemon do a little dance and then they go to do it again and a totally different Pokemon runs up to the screen, puts its face into the screen, first person perspective style, and runs away. And then it asks you what was different. And I'm like, are you are you shitting me? And one of the options was that Pokemon that like jumped in front of my face and then ran away. And that was the right answer. And I felt so like insulted until like I was so angry. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That was the final question to get this useless 900th badge? Like, these mean nothing. They take no effort to get, and there's 900 of them. I don't feel good, like, when I beat a gym leader and get a badge. Like, it just, there was nothing that felt satisfying about it to me, because there was no challenge, and there was no sense of accomplishment, and it was just crap. Um, so I was really down on Pokemon for the first time in my life, and it was making me feel old and jaded. And then Let's Go Pokemon, uh, Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu came out. And I got Let's Go Eevee because as a child, I got Pokemon Yellow, and I wanted to play it like I was Ash. So I refused to use any Pokemon except for Pikachu to beat Brock. <laughs> I got my Pikachu so high level that I was able to beat Brock with a Pikachu. But it took so long and was so boring that I got to, like, Misty. 
And I was like, oh, I kind of want to just play with Squirtle. And then I put Pokemon Blue in, and I just never went back to Pokemon Yellow. But yeah, I was so stupid. I was like, no, I'm only using Pikachu. <laughs> I have to win. Yeah, so I didn't want to go back to Let's Go Pikachu, so that's why I chose Let's Go Eevee. And I got to dress up my little guy, and they followed behind you, which is a thing that should have been in every game since it was first introduced. Why is there not a Pokemon behind me in every Pokemon game? It's just, it's morally wrong. They did it in yellow. It should have never gone away. I believe that in my heart. And, and then so, they put it in heart, gold, and soul, silver. Right? And then they teased you with it in heart, gold, and soul, silver, and then they took it away again. And it's just like, keep it. It's so good. In Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, I can have a Kangaskhan that puts my Eevee in its pocket next to its baby, and then it puts me on its shoulder, and it walks us around, and it's the cutest thing. And I love it. Okay, cool. One game only. Right? It's awesome. So, like, I have dreams of Let's Go, like let's go togepi and let's go meryl and <laughs> being able to play like because the silver and gold games are like the best because then you get to go back and you get to see kanto it's like it's one of the few games that has like that progression where you get to see like how kanto has changed and you get two games in one basically and i want that in let's go silver that's definitely coming out in my heart um but that's why let's go ev1 for this generation's pokemon games i like sword and shield i honestly liked let's go ev more um so they just had to take it because everything else that's come out this generation has sucked dick. <laughs> I'll just say this. Yeah. Team Digimon. <laughs> it's a good theme song. Yeah. Um, and a really good follow-up anime. Yeah. My next entry on the list, we've I can't remember if we talked about this before or during the show, but we've already talked quite a bit about it. And my very first... Um, platinum was on this generation and so all of my platinums are from this generation so it's kind of cool i can be like oh i platinumed this game it means something to me so just like i have four platinums they're all a very big deal to me um and this is one of them and this game was a game that you know was a hundred hour playthrough the first time i played it and then i played through it four more times and i love it and it's one of the few like rpgs with the story that i play through over and over usually i kind of like one and done it because it's my canon run mass effect i play through once and i have my canon story and then i don't touch it i never go back um but my next entry is dragon age inquisition Yay. and it's my favorite like western like fantasy rpg mm-hmm. of this generation i usually am not as big into like traditional high fantasy to me it gets a little boring um but i really think the dragon age kind of strikes a perfect balance that keeps it fresh and interesting and the game is great you can replay it so many times and first off you can play it twice and have two different stories like yes. the game has two different storylines with different bosses like it's total it hits different 100% at least two different playthroughs and then you have mm-hmm. it was like technically three if you go a dark route and majority of your party either will leave you or they'll be just as evil as you are which means Vivian um <laughs> <laughs> She was so cool, but every time I, I couldn't keep Vivian in my party because anytime she was in my party, she was very upset with how much I was helping people. She was like, "Communism, meh." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I loved her hat. Great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I could say nice things about Dragon Age Inquisition all the time. It's a great RPG. The only thing stupid about it was it tried to do a little bit of turn-based RPG, but it did it really poorly, and you should never use it. Um, I'm. I dream every night of Dragon Age Four, 
when Anthem came out, I was like, please do well, Anthem, because I'm worried that if you don't, we're not going to get another Dragon Age because Andromeda didn't do well, even though it has a really good story and it deserved DLC, and it's Thank really upsetting you. it's not getting DLC. Oh, my God. We're, um, we're going to do a... We're, just, sorry, Christian. We're going to leave you out. Real on this one is gonna have to be me and Kaylee on, on all things Bioware. It ended on a cliffhanger and it was I, actually pretty decent. Yes, I'm just like if you act if you just look at the story, you don't worry about the gameplay because story is king for me personally. That's one of the reasons why I have a, a weirder take on video games than some people. I like a good narrative. I'll put up with shitty gameplay if the story is good. I can convince myself Murdered Soul Suspect is worth playing. Like I will do things. <laughs> But it's a good story. It deserved, and like all of the things that are mechanically wrong with it, are explained if you like listen to the dev story. So I'm like, they had good ideas. Everything just that could have gone wrong did. So if you give them chance with DLC to do a little tiny thing that they have the time and resources for, and they're not building four games in six years instead of the one that you think they've been working on this whole time, um, maybe it'll be good. You know, <laughs> like they just need a win. Just let them have a win, and they took their chance away for a win. I know. And with it, my hopes for Dragon Age 4. Um, and I romanced Solus, so, like, I need a Dragon Age 4. Oh. Yeah, what's you. up? I feel sorry. What's up? Yeah, uh-huh. Um, my very first playthrough, I played as a female elf, so I could romance Solus. And yeah. Oh, well. My, my first playthrough, I said at the end of the game, I'm going to kill you, Solus. No. But then, uh, and, like, the trespassing, uh, all of the DLC is so much cooler oh with Solus. Like, all the end games. So, yeah, it's really, it's a what, good playthrough. I don't cry, but what got me is when, um, I, I it had to be till my second playthrough where you find out that Solus, we, like, I didn't know you had the option to know, but, like, you find all these hidden stuff and be like, Solus, I know you're Finn Harrell. I know you're the Dread Wolf. So I was like, when I had that option, I was like, oh my god. And that, the option was like, you know what? I'm going to be different from the players played through. I was on, a, I was, I was emotional on my first time. I was emotional the first time. So my this... very favorite thing that's ever happened in an RPG happened in Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh yeah. I'm and it's so yeah i don't know it's hard to like i've told the story before and i never feel like i capture the emotion correctly but there's a character named cole who is kind of basically like a ghost in a body and his character quest is like do you want to like are you a ghost and you want to be like a ghost spirit guy or do you want to be cole the human and be like a person and that's kind of his whole story and so two characters in the game um kind of join his story and one's like you should make him be a person and the other one's like no like let him embrace his ghostiness and the one that wants you to embrace his ghostiness is solace so when i was playing the romance route i was like i gotta go with solace even though this is an interesting moral dilemma i'm just angry with my boyfriend um, <laughs> and so when you do that and you do this ritual to like keep him a spirit the other character is watching you do it and he's so sad and after everything's over you kind of talk to him and you're like hey are you mad that i made cole like a ghost and he just looks at you and he's like he could have been a person and he walks away and it, when he did about. that right like he, um the character's varic who's yeah. also in dragon age 2 and so like he tells you this and that's all he says about it and he just looks so sad and he says it and he walks away and I'm just like, 
fuck, he could have been a person. Like, ah, and like that one line, uh, when I played, so that was my first playthrough. And my second playthrough, I sided with Varric because I was like, I can't, I can't do it. And every time I play that game now, I side with Varric because I can't bear to hear Varric say like, he could have been a person. From the get-go, and it totally changes him. Oh. From the get-go, I always pick um, Cole be a human because when you do that, he gets, Cole gets a storyline in Trespasser that I'm like, you got, you got, yeah. you got happiness, bro. I'm like, I'm happy. Yes, that's why I always do it. Because I played the first playthrough was before Trespasser came out too, so I had no idea. I looked it up. It was one of the first. I was like, let me stop and see which one. And at the time, it was like, I don't know. There's a little bit of different dialogue at the end of the game, and I was like, shit. But but then if you do that, Krim doesn't get um the the, the happy ending. Mm-hmm. So this is like the damn if you do, damn if you don't type of thing. Krishna, are you right? Yep. Krishna, are you right? I love Krim. Um, yes, I'm. So I'm frantic, frantically typing. Because he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't got through, he hasn't got through the Dragon Age games yet. And don't worry, oh, they're so good. He's I haven't even cracked them, so I have no idea what the hell's going on right now. Just and, start with Inquisition. It's fine. Just and, do the Dragon Age keep. That's what I did. He's going to forget. Trust, he trust me. He's going to forget about any spoilers. He's going to forget. Right. You never keep any name straight when you haven't played the series. Like they just kind of wash over you. Yeah, that's, that's, that is that's for kind me. of what I'm doing almost on purpose right now. Right. That <laughs> uh, was say, the one line I liked when the when the mark is getting too much and he the Inquisitor. I think for any video game, especially RPGs, the first time your your created character or just the main character gets to be vulnerable at that moment. And he just tells Cullen, Cassandra, um, Liliana, and Josephine, like, I'm scared. Like, this the first, like that was the first time I see the main character of the game tell his crew, like, I'm scared. And then, I have no idea what's happening. Like, what is going on? And then if you have Cassandra as your romance option, when you get ready to go to the final fight, and, she's, and she says this long thing, and you can just be like, I love you too. And I'm like... Oh my god! Absolutely, I romance Cassandra. So I did three. I did a playthrough as a female elf, as a female human, as a female Kunari, and then as a male human. And so my male human are romance Cassandra. I romance Cassandra, Josephine, and Iron Bull. Iron Bull. Yeah. Iron Bull's romance. The scene where Cullen so walk, good. when Cullen walks in, and he's like, "Oh, maker." So good, and like, so my hu- my human character, I romanced Colin, and Colin is my absolute favorite of the romances because I just think he's such a cute himbo. Also, um, I, and also, I feel Christian, you should play all three games because if you play all three games, you see Colin gradually change through each game, and that, if you want to go through it, I think that's the best. Just for that yeah. alone. Colin is one of the only characters in all three games, and so he does get such a beautiful, like, he starts off kind of like shitty white dude and then he just really grows into someone that like is worth romancing and he's got sweet armor it's like a lion armor and then his helmet is like a lion head so he looks like a giant gold lion it's so cool yeah anyways that's inquisition it's the best game ever and it's really good and you can kill dragon like it's called dragon age and yes there are fucking dragons in it and you can kill them and when you kill a dragon like it's the coolest thing. Like you really do feel like you're taking on a dragon. You have to change your armor to its resistances. Yep. You have to bring like the right party depending they, on like where the like dragon is. Ordeal. 
yeah. it's a boss fight. Like they are not fucking around because they're totally optional too. So it's like if you can't handle the dragon, then maybe you don't touch the dragon. Maybe you leave the dragon the fuck alone and it lives its life. Like, yeah. or you can hunt all the dragons and get a trophy. Yeah. Like I like um, I like Origins way how you can kill the dragon because you see your character just doing flips, taking out the dragon's head, and I'm like. <sighs> Thank you, Origins. It, but the, it's Inquis- so good. When you get the Inquisition, when your party, party members get the kill, you kind of feel jaded. You're like, I wanted the kill, goddammit. That happened, that literally happened in a D&D game that I was in, where we were fighting a blue dragon, and, like, one of our NPC, like, ally, like allies got the kill. Oh. And our, our, our fighter was so jaded about it. He's like, why did the NPC get the kill? Cut to like three months later, we find out that that NPC was actually a hidden golden dragon. Oh, or, sorry, shit. dragon. Holy shit. So, I like, he. That <laughs> shit. That was a hell of a twist. That was literally months in the making. None of us questioned that, like, dragon fight until later. My doing- friend is the DM of a group, and so he wow. loves like telling me the secrets before the group hears about them and one time they stopped at a bar because they had some free time and they roughed up the place to be dicks and so then they left and someone got cursed by that bar because they roughed them up and so the gang had to stop going on their way to fight the you know super bad evil dragon waiting for them so that they could hunt down the recipe to make a cure for this curse not realizing that like he, he We got to cut. You got you got cut. You got cut. Yeah. Oh, sorry, my uh, microphone cord is starting to die. I find this out yesterday. It's oh. been really fun. Oh, no. Yeah. So no. he realized. Oh. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, he realized that nobody had bothered to identify what they won in the last battle, and one of the things they won was an antidote to the specific curse. So he had them go on this really large side quest that wasted a ton of time and resources to get the <laughs> items to make a potion that once they made it, they realized they had on them the whole time. <laughs> so, like, he, he spent two months planning this and he's like updating me the whole time he's like all they had to do was not rough up that bar and they wouldn't have got cursed and then they could have just said hey what do we have on us but they didn't and so like he just keeps it going and no i love i love love when dms like take it to the letter on yeah yeah it's so good it's my favorite thing i was like don't give christian don't get no ideas man Oh no no! I already got him. No, there was literally there. We had a similar moment in uh, in our game later. That was like maybe a couple months ago, or like maybe last month that that happened. We were freeing a, a we were freeing a Greyhold Keep uh, in Waterdeep. I'm sorry, Neverwinter. And uh, when we when we freed it, um, oh no, sorry, way 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 after that, we had like rescued like a group of um, like Elven women that had been taken like as slaves. Mm-hmm. And we we took them back to the to the hold that we had helped free, and we were asking around if like anybody could help us because we we had learned that they had um we we went into Baldur's Gate and we found somebody there that knew how to, uh, that knew greater restoration, and we had them heal one person right, and nothing had happened that we could tell uh, immediately. But then, long story short, we're like, okay, we got to find somebody who can help us heal the rest of the group, right? Because we, we had just healed the one person. And then um, as we were like, 
literally leaving the port of the city on our ship, sailing off into the next city so that way we could go find somebody. The person that we had um, Greater Restoration performed on walks up to us like while we're on the ship. So like, hey, what's going on? Oh, God. And we all realize it's like, well, now we're going to a completely different city. And we could we should have just had the guy here like do this. And now we have to spend an extra amount of time to find somebody else with Greater Restoration. While we're going on vacation, that's what we're doing. Or you yep. could be like our filler party. episodes. Or you could be my party where we was bickering with one another and another enemy came out of nowhere to attack us. Oh, that was so great. Oh, I couldn't I couldn't believe how long you guys were in that corridor. <laughs> but yeah, like, like the what he's recalling, they were they were inside of a tower, um, inside of a, a lighthouse that they were trying to figure out like they were outside of a room trying to figure out like what they were going to do because they knew there was like some enemy in there. They had detected it, but they couldn't tell because they had decided to take a long rest in like the middle of the morning. So oh. by the time everything like that, they started going through the entire thing. It was pitch black, dark and everywhere. And none of them had light. And they all don't have dark vision. <laughs> oh, shit. So, I have dark so, vision, so, it's not so they're like bickering right? outside of this hall. Like they sent in, they had they uh, the 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 death cleric um, that we have had brought back to life a harpy that they fought outside and sent it into the room, and that's how they knew something was in there and pissed off. the The harpy made it out without any incident, but the whole time that enemy, unbeknownst to them, now I I can say it because they already killed it. But unbeknownst to them, that enemy also had scrying. So the second that that harpy walked out, he cast scrying on the on the harpy and was able to see them, like oh, as they're bickering, trying to decide their plan, standing outside of the doorway. And then eventually, um, another orc acolyte that was in there polymorphed into a boar, ran out the door and completely actually took out the harpy and surprised the whole party. <laughs> I love Dungeons and Dragons, you guys. It, it's a really it's good so, game. It's so good. I actually, my first tabletop RPG was Call of Cthulhu. And so that one always holds the real special place in my heart. That's such a fun game. Nice, nice. Call of Cthulhu. I haven't tried it yet. I really want to, but I've heard good things. Call of Cthulhu is a game where it's like you make characters you don't plan on getting attached to. Right. (laughs) They're probably going to die. Right. It's so hard to stay like alive and or sane. (laughs) And now let's stay on target. Yes, so I have... I'm going to run through a couple of these. Well, I mean, we'll see. So, um, I had a really hard time, actually, with this next one because my next one's Persona 5 Royal. It's easy if I just say it. Um, and I was really torn between doing regular Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal. And I did Persona 5 Royal for a couple reasons. One, Persona 5 came out on PS3 as well. Mm-hmm. And Persona 5 Royal's improvements in the battle system and mechanics are just chef's kiss. It... I thought Persona 5 was an amazing game and that needed nothing changed. And it turned out it could have a ton of little tweaks that made it even better. And so physically playing it, Persona 5 Royal is a better game. Because I already played the storyline, none of the twists or anything got me in the same emotional way. So emotionally, Persona 5 really resonated with me a lot more. Um, which is why I was kind of like, I should probably do Persona 5 on an emotional level, which is what this entire list is. But... I feel like Persona 5 Royal is the better game of the generation. If you were to like, if you asked me like, oh, Kaylee, which one should I play? I'd be like, Persona 5 Royal, don't be stupid. Um, So that's why it's here. But that's like the story of Persona 5. And like when it came out, it really, really hit for me. 
but holy crap. Persona 5 Royal taught me that I actually like stealth. Um, no. I had so much fun sneaking around. I had never thought I would say that sentence ever. Uh, it just, oh, it's so good. It's so good, you guys. Play Persona. My brother tried to get me too. And Persona Five. So, like a lot of people who don't like JRPGs, um, one of the t- one of the toughest things about selling JRPGs to people who either don't like them or haven't played them is that usually they take a good ten hours to start. And so yeah. one of the things I like about Persona 5 is that Persona 5 hits the ground fucking running. It literally starts in Medius Reis, but then even after that start where the game starts, starts, it's instant. Like, here's the plot. Here's what's happening. Oh, my God. What the fuck? I want to kill that guy. And, like, it, it really hits you emotionally a lot faster than most JRPGs. Um, and okay. the music is just the best. Like, I have a little thing where I don't have that much affinity for video game music the way most, like, gamers do, I guess. Um, Persona 5 is one of those exceptions where I'll listen to that soundtrack. I'll sometimes get distracted when I'm in my bedroom because the, like, in-your-bedroom chill music is so good that I'll just be bobbing my head and not realize, like, five minutes have gone by my controller turned itself off. Like, it's... it's (laughs) (laughs) So, it it really is just... It's stylish. It's fast-paced. There's all sorts of just, like, color coming at you. It's, It's gorgeous. So, definitely a Persona 5 Royal. It's a really a game. Um, some people get really, like, overwhelmed with the Persona. Oh, my God, there's a calendar, and there's set things, and I don't know what to do with each day, and I don't want to fuck it up. Um, and people are always averse to this, and then they always apologize and tell me they had a great time, and I was right. If you're one of those people who don't want to play a Persona game because the calendar gives you anxiety or stresses you out, or you don't get, like, how am I supposed to decide what to do? Literally, pull up a fucking guide. Pull up a guide. What I'll sometimes do is like look and see like what that guy did that week to give like a rough idea of like how often I should be talking to people and stuff like that. But I'll like live my own life and the guides can act as kind of like a structure that you can kind of be like, oh, hmm, okay, that's not a bad idea. Um, and it really, really helps give you your groove at least at first. Um, and once you do that once, hopping into other Persona games is a lot easier too. But Deadass, if you get, like, I don't really know, when, like, I don't want to figure out who I should be hanging out with when, just pull up a fucking guide and follow it. It's so easy. It's so good. Mm. Nice. Yeah. I know a lot of people are, like, guide-averse, but trust me, like, the gameplay and all the stuff that's not who do I hang out with on each given day more than makes up for that feeling. Like, you, you feel like you're accomplishing things. You don't feel like you're just, like, following a robot instruction manual or whatever, mm. um, which I get could be, like, a reason people don't like guides. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Like, you're like, well, I don't feel like I did anything. I just, like, read aloud what someone else told me to do. Um, But that's only for a very certain part of the game. That's why I say it. Because I'm like, yeah, sure, occasionally. But in reality, you're spending so much time deciding, well, which one am I going to romance? Like, I know what days I'm hanging out with each girl. But one of them I'm going to pick to, like, go on dates with. And there's a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, hang out with anybody. Like, there's a lot of blank days and things like that. It's just like, hey, you can only hang out with this person on Sundays. So just don't forget, on Sunday, like, hang out with this person, um, which can help you if you, like, get frustrated with, like, losing track of days and shit. That's why I like guides. Because it's like, so a lot of times they'll be like, oh, if you go to, like, this vending machine on Tuesdays, there will always be, like, a special item. Well, sometimes I can't remember that it's Tuesday because, like, days whip by. But if I'm following a guide, I'll be like, oh, the 12th. Oh, it says go to that vending machine. And it helps me get in the habit of, like, in Persona 5, there's a smoothie that you drink every Sunday. And it gives you a free bonus to all your stats. So, like, <laughs> if you don't, if you forget, like, Sunday goes by, 
And they'd be like, shit, I gotta drink my smoothie. <laughs> and it became like a thing where like my chat would be like, Kaylee, it's Sunday. It's smoothie day. And it becomes like a thing. Um, <laughs> So that that's when you I like starting with a guide because it really helps calm me down and kind of get me into the flow. Even if you don't end up using it the whole time or whatever, it really helps break that initial get your feet wet with persona. So that's my newbie rec. Um, from there, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, and I'm not sure if it counts. I'm putting it. I don't give a fuck. This is my list. Um, the very 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 first game I ever platinumed. The most important game probably in my gaming life that changed me from a person that like I used to like to watch my boyfriend play games and that's how I experienced most games and what switched me from someone who likes to like voyeuristically watch games to play was I always I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong title Uh, was not a launch game. I dates are so scary. It was right around the same time as Dragon Age Inquisition. So I think it might have been a launch game, but um was Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls. Okay. Yes. Now, I played Diablo 3 on 360 at my friend's house and was like, what the fuck is this? This is so much fun. And so I did play the 360 version. So I could see being like, oh, that's not this console generation. But when I think of Diablo 3, I think of Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls. I think of the cover that has the Grim Reaper with his dual scythes on it. I think of the, you know, the game that actually wraps up the story with a satisfying conclusion i think of the ps4 xbox one pc version of diablo 3 diablo 3 reaper of souls um i have put so much time into that game last uh last season my friend and i were playing the multiplayer really hard and we were in the top 100 for doubles on hardcore and then we had a bad week where we kept dying and we were like we're not playing hardcore anymore and we switched to just regular seasonal and we got the top 100 regular seasonal doubles and uh, then I was playing Diablo like 40 hours a week and I had to slow down a little bit. <laughs> I just, I love it. I just, when I start playing it, I can't stop. It is addictive. It is fun. It's weirdly soothing. It's just a great, it's a great game to like, if you have a lot of podcasts that you want to listen to, play Diablo 3, murder everything and listen to podcasts. Like it's just, it's a great afternoon. Like you're hungover, turn it on. yeah so Diablo 3 is a big deal for me I don't know Um, then I have to absolutely give a shout out it is not only one of the top 10 games of this generation it's one of the top 10 games on everything this generation and that's Stardew Valley Um, yeah Stardew Valley's the tits it's great I grew up obsessed with Harvest Moon 64 and then Harvest Moon Magical Melodies and then Story of Seasons and etc etc Harvest Moon is a great series Stardew Valley made a Harvest Moon game that admits people fuck. Um, I'm really excited for Witchbrook because then I don't have to give Harry Potter Turf Lady any money. Um, But for me, Stardew Valley was so fun. It was like the entire world learned that Harvest Moon was a great game. Even though like they didn't, they play Harvest Moon, they they played Stardew Valley. But still, it was like, yes, farming simulator slash romance sim is a great genre. Thank you. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) It was so good. Farming slash romance. I love that. <laughs> right, it's so good. Just, I love it. It's been around forever, but no one really realized it until Stardew Valley. And Stardew Valley is a, and added combat on top of it. And just, it's very fun. It's very good. I own it. I usually don't like buying games more than once unless I'm buying like the complete edition with all the DLC that I never bought, um, like I did with Dragon Age. 
I got the game of the year edition. I waited to play all the DLC and then I played all the DLC. But uh, with Stardew Valley, I own it on. I bought it on PS4. Then I bought it on PC. Then I bought it on Switch. I will buy it on PS5 if it comes to PS5. I don't care. It's a good. I just bought. It just came in like three days ago. I have the collector's edition for Switch that just came in. Um, my friend got it for me. So <laughs> now I own. I own four copies of that game, including two on Switch. It's just, it's a great game. Uh, my very last game, if I did my math right, is, I don't, I'm adding it. It's kind of cheating. This is the one where I will admit it might be cheating, but it's so fucking good. It is so amazing that it, no matter what, it has to be counted. And that's Yakuza 7. The new uh. Yakuza game... I've only played it on Xbox One, and it's not coming to PS5 until years from now. So to me, this is a this generation game, and that is my argument. My roommate got a review copy, so I watched him race through the entire game in four days. <laughs> so I've and I, so I've been living with this game for like two weeks now, and it has everything. It has its own fucking Pokemon in it. It has its own um, Mario Kart in it. It has. Yeah, yeah, you guys, yeah, it has, so I love Star Ocean, I specifically love Star Ocean 3 till the end of time, because Star Ocean 3 till the end of time has my favorite crafting ever in a game, it has this thing called the Inventors Guild, and basically, like, all of your party members can come together in groups of up to three to, like, think real hard and come up with patents, and they can patent things based on their skill sets, so, like, your really strong tank guy will probably have a lot of, um, points in, like, smithing, and other like manly type stuff and your female characters will be good at like cooking and alchemy and so if you have like three characters that are really good at cooking working on stuff they can come up with really rare recipes and once you patent those recipes your ranking in the inventors guild goes up and your goal is to get to be like the number one inventor in the universe because it's star ocean and so as you're playing the game you can find npcs that if you do little side quests you can add them to your inventors guild club and you can invent with them even though they're not playable party members so you can find like a really good cook on like this little teeny dinky hole in the wall plant and you can equip them and have them join your guild and then they'll cook with you and you can get a boost for it yakuza 7 has this fucking system i have i haven't seen this system since star ocean and i love it and i never understood why i wasn't in every other game but yakuza has pokemon yakuza has mario kart yakuza has my favorite crafting system that has ever been in a game yakuza has Persona 5 level good music and amazing turn-based combat and I love turn-based combat. It's just it's everything you could ever want in a turn-based JRPG style open world game. It's it's perfect. Wow. <laughs> it's so good you guys. I if you haven't played it or you're thinking about playing it, play it. It's so good. Yakuza I think it's, I think I think that sold me honestly already. <laughs> it's witty. It's woke. So like, um, the main character of the game ends up like, like finding a homeless camp, and he's like, "Hey guys, I'll rally the troops, and you know we can go to like the temp agency. And did you guys know you could get jobs and stop being homeless?" And it's like this big rousing protagonist speech, and I'm I'm screaming at the TV. I'm like, "People aren't homeless because they don't know about temp centers. You freaking like ignorant." 
privileged <laughs> ass turning the TV. And then the main homeless guy's like, you think we don't know about temp agencies? And he gives like the exact same speech and the protagonist takes a step back and he's like, oh my God, I didn't think about like, not everyone has ID, not everyone's here legally, not everyone, um, you know, some people got into really bad debts and so they like are hiding from like repo men and shit. And some people are like, don't want to be found and can't, or because I don't have an, and so like, then the protagonist goes to the temp agency to get a job and they're like, if you don't have an address, you can't get a job. And he's like, but I'm trying not to be homeless. I need a job. And she's like, yeah, but if you don't have an address, I can't give you a job. And it's this beautiful, like, there's all this, you know, he was raised in a, at a brothel. So there's all this really pro sex worker stuff. And the cops are the bad guys, which is nice. And just, it's, it's just really fun to play through. Like, Hey, I think she likes Yakuza 7. Yeah, Yakuza 7 earned a spot on this list. And at first, I thought that was crazy when I put it on here. But I just... All the other games that I've played, like, this, I'm going to be playing this game for a really long time. I'm going to be playing it. My dream is that this game has a bunch of story DLC and that when the PS5 version comes out, it comes out as, like, a complete edition and I can play this game and all the DLC. And I will, I would do that happily. Whoa. Yeah. It's a good game. Play it. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> are you messing with us yes i am that was a joke are you kidding that doesn't have anything like if the yakuza had mario kart in it you're dumb no it's they they're little tiny carts and these yakuza men are riding them it's so cute there's like a there's like a pac-man style almost like pepsi man that's like 3d pac-man mini game thing there's like so many cool little mini game things oh it makes me really happy all my 35 years on this planet and half the time, Yakuza has been out as long. I have not ever heard anyone give such an impassionate description. And here's the thing. I've never played another Yakuza game. That's my first one. It's a whole new story with a whole new character in a whole other town. And I was afraid that it would have that like, oh, I walked in in the middle and I don't know any of these characters vibe. Totally doesn't. I don't feel like there's been any fucking winks to longtime fans, which I mean is what it is. Um, <laughs> obviously downside for some people, but it really feels like, oh, okay, I can hop into this as my first one and I'm having a great time. Nice. Because the original ones are all beat-em-ups and I, I, I want to go back to them now because they're free on Xbox uh, Game Pass and because this one's so good. But I'm nervous I'm going to be shitty at the beat-em-up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to try it, but I've never really like, I haven't played a beat-em-up since I was like, what, Andy and Terry Bogard? Like, I don't know. Um. Oh, God. Yes. So if you've never played Yakuza, and that's another one of your fears. Fear not. I am also lazy. And that's my list. I know it's a little controversial in some spots because some teeter on a little early, and I know Yakuza is a little late, but I stand by it. That is a that is still like a, a very like research list. <laughs> yeah. And a very take it serious. It's a very, like I said, it was, it was, you had some bangers on it. Like I said, Yakuza, Thank though. You. Yakuza, though. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. I had, that's why I had a couple, like, honorable mentions because I wasn't sure if I was going to get disqualified, but I was ready to defend Yakuza. I was like, no, trust me, it's too good a game to wait 15 years from now to be on next generation's best games list. <laughs> I, cause like, and that's the other thing is I've been playing it since last week, so it's like it's so, it's like no, this Wait. came out way before the last. Wait, what? Consoles. 
My oh, oh yes, yeah. my roommate got it as a review code, so he had to beat it before the embargo lifted. So he was I, every like my living room has just been yakuza nonstop morning to night. He hasn't slept. Like well, all not- he's been doing is playing yakuza. So I saw the entire. That's why I felt good playing it because even though I personally haven't beaten the game, I've seen this entire game already. Like raced through every you know piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. And now that I'm playing it myself and I'm so far in, I'm just like, oh god, it feels even better. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> It's amazing. Nice. All right. Christian, right. you're up. <laughs> well, I can't follow that. That's why I picked you to follow it. <laughs> I know. <you. laughs> Guess always comes out swinging, and now you got to bob and weave. Bob and weave. All right. I'm bobbing. I'm weaving. And uh, <laughs> by weaving, I mean leaving. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> um, No, okay. So... Uh, for my list, starting out, I don't have uh, uh, as well as well as an impassioned as that was. But um, the games that I chose, like to me, are definitely the ones that stuck out this console generation. Unfortunately, this console gen gen, I really have not been able to explore as many of the games as I wanted to for you know a lot of reasons. Unfortunately, but um, the ones that I did play, I very much enjoyed. So the first one that I have on the list right now is like to me, it's probably my favorite um it's the it's the game this generation that definitely inspired the most like feverishness in me to platinum it for sure like there's been a lot of games that do that for me but not many uh spider-man definitely did that for me this gen Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was surprised um like the the second i picked up the game i know that like i immediately knew i need to get every single thing in this game and try to platinum this thing as quick as possible so that way not only can I like play the plus again so I can play it on the next uh, like version up mm-hmm. and um, prepare because I actually hadn't played it until like last month um, prepare for Miles Morales coming up. And that's the biggest sign of a great game to me is like when you're I need to do every single thing in this game. Yeah, for sure. I think the uh, I guess honorable mention for this specific kind would for me would be um assassin's creed black flag when it came Ooh. out because black flag was the last one um that i can remember before spider-man that did the same thing except spider-man i feel like even though it might be um a, like the the collection is a little different i felt better about the collection in spider-man than i did in in uh, ac4 <laughs> <laughs> um so that's that's the first one on my list i the uh, following up i have cuphead as like Ooh. best platformer that I've played this gen for by far. Yeah. Obviously the hardest one, but also very unique to me and to a lot of people because of the art style. It's very unique in the way that they made the game. I very much appreciate like like the way that the synergy works between the platforming and like the actual visuals of it. Like it doesn't feel weirdly out of place at all. <laughs> and uh, and other than that, it is a fucking hard platformer and I love that shit. And also, if you don't want to play the game, listeners, the animated series will be out in 2021. That's true. I'm excited for that, because I love the aesthetic of Cuphead, but I have the world's worst depth perception. Like, one time Blessing came over when he was still living in Seattle, because he, I've never played, I had never played a Mario Brothers past the original Mario Brothers level 1-1. I'd never beaten 1-1 in the original Mario. Um, And so he brought an emulator with Super Mario World on it, 
And he was like, okay, Kaylee, I'm going to teach you how good platformers are. We're going to play We're gonna play this game until you level up. And he watched me fail to clear level, stage, what have you, 1-1 of that game for about three hours before he took it from me and effortlessly beat the entire game with all the secret levels without even fucking blinking. And I was like, do you wow. get it now? Do you get it? <laughs> he was like, I'm never bringing up platformers with you again. It's okay. You don't have to play them anymore. <laughs> wow. I broke him. Wow. I just, I have no depth perception. And then I, I, that was before I got glasses. So I'm thinking maybe I could be a little bit better now. But yeah, I've never been able to do platformers. My depth perception is crap. 2D, 3D, no. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, platformers are what I like really started gaming with. When I consider hardcore gaming, like I that was more when I got the OG Xbox and started playing like Battlefront and Halo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But before that, like my main bread and butter for gaming was always platformers and uh, platformers and brawl. I mean, not brawl. Um, the original Melee? 54. Oh. Smash Bros. Oh, oh, OG, OG, okay. The, the 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 old Smash Brothers, I like that. One. Yeah, Super classic. Smash Brothers. Right. Oh man! Every time you turn on the console and then you just hear that like that that hype music coming back, I just uh, I love. I have it. a really special place in my heart for Brawl because that game was the first game I ever learned how to mod. And so I changed all the character skins so that, like, Captain Falcon was Ronald McDonald and stuff. And there's, like, 20 skins for everybody. And I felt so, like, like elite hacker. (laughs) That's that's actually really cool. I think when I was the homebrew channel on my Wii. Yeah. Yeah, when when I was playing Brawl, I think I was the only person in my friend group that actually liked playing it with the Wii with the Wii controller and the nunchuck. Oh God. Like, first, I don't know why. I actually really liked playing it like that. And, I mean, for the most part, at least among my friends, I was able to keep up, so nobody, like... Hey, I feel <laughs> that. That's, like, I will only play Mario Kart with motion controls, and a lot of people don't know that. And so when Mario Kart came out on Wii U, um, I was playing it with my boyfriend, and he knew I was playing with the gamepad, but he didn't realize I was playing with the gamepad motion controls. Uh-huh. And so I kept beating him, and he wasn't that mad about it. But then when he looked over mid-race once, and he saw me, like, moving the pad, he just mm-hmm. started screaming. He's like, are you using motion controls? Are you beating me with motion controls? Like, oh, we never played Mario Kart ever again. He was so mad. Yeah. But I do. I love motion controls with Mario Kart. I don't know why. Give me yeah, a little plastic right. wheel any day. I will kick your yeah. ass. <laughs> it's like, uh, like Jesus don't need to take this wheel. <laughs> right? I'm Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> my next one that I have on my list here, by far was, like, I, I grew up with Halo, and I love it, and it's stuck in my heart, and I played Destiny for way too long. But when I'm thinking of, like, the, the shooter game that had me, like, having the most fun that I can think of uh, shooter-based was actually Doom 2016. Oh, wow! Like, I had a lot of fun with Doom 2016 to the point to where, like, when I played Eternal, nice. don't get me wrong, I love it, but, I like, it took me a little bit of getting used to Eternal to get over Doom. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. And to be honest, Doom 2016 is gorgeous. Like, so compared good. to anything else you just named, like, Destiny can be pretty too, obviously. I think Halo, I don't know, can be a little, um, not bland, yeah, but a little Halo, sparse, Halo like has, a little empty. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, Whereas Doom has all that like visceral like blood and guts and that high def and it'll have like lava and there's there's just more bright colors and different things to look cool. Yeah. Um, and it really just it's so saturated and pretty. So even just from an aesthetic point, I think that's such a good pick. I like I like really aesthetic games. I don't know if that's coming through with this. <laughs> right? Play Persona 5. If you liked the beginning part of DMC where you defeated Bill O'Reilly, you will like Persona 5. <laughs> Persona 5. <laughs> I've been wanting to play it. I just honestly haven't like given it the time, but it's gonna move up in the in the short list now. It's important. I've given away cop like my original steelbook of the original Persona Five. I don't have any more because I gave it to a friend. I was like, "You haven't played Persona? Oh, you refuse to pay money for it? Now you have a free copy." Bam! <laughs> you have no excuses, right? Nice. <laughs> uh, so that was that was my uh, my shooter one there. I like. I, I'm kind of also going by like like different genres a little bit yeah I like the spread yeah I'm, I'm trying to go for spread so um open world like specifically open world uh that that actually had me like really it gave me it gave me the most wanderlust for sure and like just the amount of time that i can spend in the game not doing any direct actions like basically just enjoying the aesthetic of the game um red dead redemption 2 definitely wow. hit that it's a very, very like high tech, very highly technical game, and as far as like the technology behind it, I enjoyed that. I actually really enjoyed the online stuff. Um, I didn't play the online too much, but I for for what everything was and following Red Dead Redemption because of I, I have good fond memories of that on my 360. Uh, two blew me away, and that was definitely one of my like better, better, um, better experiences in this gen for sure was it because the horse's testicles reacted to the temperature outside i won't say it wasn't a factor but it wasn't the <laughs> when you started talking i'm not kidding i realized that i had made a horrible mistake in my list and i was convinced you were like oh this game that i like to wander in and the environment and i'll just hang out and live in and i was like oh my god of course it's so obvious fallout 4 and then you said red dead and i was like oh i have about 400 hours in fallout and most of them are just because i wanted to listen to the radio so nice. i just wander around the raceland i have like my spotify has like every good song from that radio on a nice. playlist like i loved just hanging out in fallout 4 that's too good that's too good like fallout i have a good amount of time i think i have maybe like almost 200 hours in like fallout 3 Fallout 4, I didn't do too much. I think I had, like, maybe comparatively, like, 70. See, Fallout 4 was my first Fallout 1. Ah, uh, that's why. Okay. 2, I had never played a first-person game until Overwatch. And so that was my first first-person shooter and my first first-person game. And so Fallout, yeah. I thought I would play third-person. And one of the only reasons I started playing it was because it had a third-person. Mm -hmm. I had always not played it because it was first-person before. Um, when I was... Okay, when New Vegas came out... One of my friends was like, Kaylee, you should try this. And he gave me his controller and started up the game. And I went through like the opening bit. And mm -hmm. I had a really, really hard time navigating. And I thought it was because it was in first person. Uh -huh. It turns out I'm a human being that cannot function unless my controllers are inverted. And so really? I used to think I was really bad at games. Yeah, it's crazy because most people who use inverted controls, I guess, got their start on like flying sims. Yeah, flying I didn't. Sims. That, yeah. And I swear to God, I used to not play video games that like you had to control the camera because I thought I was bad at games. And it turned out I just can't control a camera unless you invert the Y axis. Like my uh, brain will not work that way. It's so, like you're like you're you're very trained on like the pull down means like 
go exactly. up. I'm like, no, you have to do it. Th-. And so I would have this trouble where I would always be looking at the sky or looking at my feet and like going around in circles whenever I would try to play a game where you were in charge of the camera. And yeah, it took years for somebody to be like, hey, Kaylee, I was playing Portal at a like teenage hangout and somebody was watching me do it and he was so sweet he was like hey Kaylee let me let me try something for you and he inverted the controls and handed it back to me and I was just like what did you do like I can play this now like, yes so, I'm, just, was, oh. I'm just picturing that like that like fairly odd parents meme of like the little kid with glasses like I can see I yes. can fight oh my god it was a whole new world and it, it really did help. Like, that's why originally I really liked Diablo. Like, I was really drawn to Diablo because I didn't have to worry about the camera. Yeah. And so it was the first, game, like, adventure game where... I don't know. I was... I just... Nobody had ever thought to invert the controller. And to this day, I don't know why my mind works that way. But I Everything can't... make much more sense. Think it. Yeah. So <laughs> I played Fallout for, like, 30 seconds before Fallout 4. But Fallout 4, I actually ended up playing the whole thing in first person. And I had a great time. And so it was like my first like big open world first person game. Nice. Nice. That's a good, that's a really good open world to like have experienced first. Personally, I would still, between me personally, I would still say I like three more than four. But that again, that's because I started with three most likely. My sister had so much fun watching me play. My sister and I are the same age. So she watched me play Fallout 4 and she loved dog meat because she's a huge dog lover. She was so excited that she bought a refurbished PS3, bought a copy of New Vegas and would play New Vegas all the time. She's not a gamer at all. And but she would text me and she'd be like, Kaylee, look, I just did this thing. And she'd be telling me. And she's so obsessed with Fallout now because she saw me playing Fallout 4 and there was a dog in it. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I think I know maybe two people, at least one, at least one, but maybe two people that that I know that I would not consider gamers whatsoever, but they loved Fallout 3. Like, something I mean, about it. like the only thing they played. Yeah, it has an effect. It does. It does. Like for me, that effect was a lot more Skyrim because that one I definitely have like 600 hours on. <laughs> but that's that's a different Bethesda hole. I think everyone has about 600 hours or more on Skyrim. Yeah, I have yeah. never played an Elder Scrolls game. I think I have like 300 on the PS3 and like 200 on my Steam and maybe 100 somewhere else in like a different version. I'm going to get it again the second that I get a, a strong enough PC to be able to run VR like for Skyrim VR. I'm going to buy it again. But I keep saying that I'm going to buy Skyrim VR for PSVR because I was like, oh, that'll be so cool. I haven't played Skyrim, so I thought like the first time I play Skyrim will be in VR. That'll be not stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people have been telling me that's stupid. And I'm just like, it's so old that like because I didn't grow up with it and it's not like nostalgic at all. It just reads as like old controls and kind of ugly graphics to me. Yeah, I so I, I've been waiting for Elder Scrolls to come out with like, Six, yeah, since, I, since the work. last generation started, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll be waiting a long time for. Uh, to, to I know. Fair, to be fair, I would say I have six hundred hours in Skyrim, but I probably have only about a hundred in vanilla Skyrim, because that was also the first game that I learned to mod. <laughs> That's true. That's like playing The Sims. Exactly. So I modded the crap out of it, and like my graphics were very, very different than vanilla. I watched Touch the Skyrim. I know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> that was a mini series that Justin McElroy and a guy that got me to did like seven years ago. It's really funny though. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I guess um, almost finishing my list here. 
uh the, definitely my favorite rpg uh, like uh like fantasy rpg for sure of uh of this gen was witcher 3 well witcher 3 wild hunt definitely like satiated my my video game D requirements <laughs> and plus it was like i i i got into the game i i actually got into wild hunt late i got into wild hunt like last year oh wow so i but um i had a lot it's never too late to get into the witcher it's not oh, yeah. i have Witch- a really weird thing that happened with the witcher where when I first played it, I had just come off Inquisition, and I was so sad about having to pretend to be a boy again that I didn't play it for more than, like, 20 hours. And I deleted it because it took off so much space off my hard drive. Mm-hmm. I still have my disc, my launch, brand new disc. Not a single scratch anything on it. But when I install the game off the disc, it takes, like, 20 minutes to load the game, which, if you've played The Witcher, is normal. Yeah. But then if I go up to talk to somebody, there's like that moment where there's like motion blur to like cover the loading screen. Mm-hmm. It will stay like that for about four minutes before it loads the options. Yeah. Then if I select an option, it's about five minutes of waiting and then the NPC responds. And then yeah. there's about five minutes of waiting until Geralt responds. And then about five minutes of waiting until a new option choice thing appears. Not kidding. Like I timed some it. Reason it is, that sounds like for some reason it's not accessing the RAM or something. It's, I've deleted and reinstalled it so many times. And everyone's advice is always just, oh, buy it digitally. And I'm like, I don't want to rebuy this game I already bought because my perfectly good disc won't work. So I have this like weird thing with The Witcher where I haven't been able to get past. Like I got to the Battle of Care... Morin, Care Lauren? Care Morin. Morin. I was with the first time. Damn it. Uh, I did that. I finished that. And then I put it down and said I'd go back to it. And now my game is cursed and it won't let me like install it correctly. And so oh, I haven't um, gotten past that. That's, but that's, I love the Skellige Islands. That part was really fun. I will say that. That's what I remember having a good time doing. The like, I thought it was so fascinating because in Skellige, everything's like super Scottish, but then their clothing is like. Asian style clothing, but with like tartan prints, and I thought that was such a cool juxtaposition of like kimonos with plaid. Um, <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, if you look, like it's really subtle because they're wearing such non-traditional fabrics with that style, but all of their clothing looks Irish from afar. But when you actually look at the character models, they're wearing kimonos and yukatas, and the men are wearing like traditional like Japanese pants, but they're fucking plaid. Uh, it's really cool. And because it takes, like, the honor aspects of both cultures and focuses on that and uses that as, like, a point of synergy. And I thought that was really interesting. Nice. Yeah. yeah Which is that, a good that, game. That's a, it's a very, very good game. Um, my next one I have on the list here uh, would be my... my it, definitely, it definitely checked all the boxes for me for nostalgia and, um, and sword fighting combat. Basically, Dark Souls, Dark Souls S combat. I already know uh, Desi's gonna gonna hate that this is on my list, but uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Boom. I thought you were gonna say Bloodborne. I got so confused. You said like Dark Souls, like oh yeah, Bloodborne should be on someone's list, shouldn't it? And then he threw such a curveball. I like you told him to bob and weave. That was a weave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. I already know you hate that I have this on my list. Boo. Fuck You're not but a fan. To be fair, uh, he's jaded. He's jaded because of the of the of the the parrying system. I'm not. I fucking had a great time with him. Here's the thing. I am bad at parrying. Fallen Order came at the wrong time. As I I always loved Star Wars. I did, but Fallen Order came in at the wrong time where I'm already at the like at the exit for loving Star Wars, 
Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I don't want to say that either, but I remember being a Star Wars fan. And then, and then all of a sudden, we get to Rise of Skywalker, and then Fall in Order, me going through it, and then The Mandalorian, and they just like, you know what? Fuck everything, I'm done. So... Everybody. Yeah, they did, they did inundate like most audiences with like a heavy flow of Star Wars content. And then, do you guys remember Mara Jade? Because I'll never forget Mara Jade. She's Mara Jade has my favorite fucking lightsaber hilt in the entire legacy canon. That entire family storyline, everything, all of it, it so it is good. So tragic they didn't fucking. It use was Mara sitting Jade. right there. They were like, "Oh, we're gonna do more Star Wars movies." I was like, "Oh my god, who's gonna be Mara Jade?" It was the my right? first thought. I was like, "Oh my god, who are who, who's who's the twins gonna be? Who are all the siblings? Oh my god, this Me is too. gonna be great. We're gonna have a whole new generation of like nine hundred Skywalker solo." siblings and cousins and shit to carry on to the next generation it was gonna people be, are all about to die if they had pulled it off correctly they could have done like star wars s game of thrones shit they could have done star wars they could have done mcu level okay now here are all the people that are the new actors and now we're gonna have a whole new gen it could have been the degrassi of sci-fi it really could have and then they were like oh yeah all the can all the content all the canon fuck that that doesn't exist anymore. We had it was so we, good. We had a whole episode on this, and we don't want to repeat. So I'm sorry. Go. I'm very sorry good. for bringing up like old wounds. Like I said, like I said, I know that it was gonna be divisive that I put this on my list, but either way, it was still one of my favorite, like, like fighting so, sword fighting games, okay. like of this of this gen so far. Okay. To be fair, I like I get it. I get it. You it's just, just had to hurt everyone's life. feelings. It's fine. We get it. <laughs> um what was my next ones right um okay so uh this is not a console one but it did come out 2018 and technically it is console now i think it's on psvr but um i have to throw a rhythm game in there because i always love rhythm games beat saber by oh, four yeah. no that beat totally saber counts gave me so much fun especially during quarantine this whole time being able oh, to yeah. like, kind of escape in my own living room and like have that have that like haptic feedback of cutting through blocks, but still like feed my my rhythm gaming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Like, Good it, choice. That one. That one for 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 sure has to be in there. And I know for a fact, moving forward, the rest of these years, like when I think of more games coming out, now that the quest is so much more prevalent and so much more accessible to people, especially with the new model, I highly, highly, highly suspect. Like, VR is going to start getting picked up like console gaming. Not like PC gaming, because we already saw what happened, you know, with the... they Like, um, Oculus isn't even selling their... their What was it? the They came out with the Quest, and they came out with a different one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they came out with a PC-based one, and There's they the came... Rift. There's the Rift. The Rift came out first, and then yeah. the Quest was like, oh, do you want the Rift without the cords, or you don't have a good enough PC to run the Rift? Here's the Quest. Yeah, exactly. And because of that, like I treated it like a console, not like a like a PC. So I think because of that, it's going to get so much more popular. I think it's going to become like like within the next five, ten years, like a major staple. It would and be cool probably... if they didn't do another Vita, which they should, but whatever. But if instead of doing another Vita, PlayStation used PSVR, kind of like you're saying, as like their entry into the handheld market. Like if there was yeah. a cordless, like the Quest, like a cordless. Like, oh, it's portable VR, and that was their extra thing instead of having, like, the Vita be their, like, little baby thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be cool, yeah, if you, like, started considering VR as its own self-contained console of gaming. That's a really cool way to think about it. 
I, I I did also read, I'm not sure if this is true now or not, but I did also read that supposedly PS4 VR works on the PS5, like the, the hardware. I do not know. Um, I, I did. I, oh, I did yeah, it that. has to, because somebody was asking if they needed to get rid of their DualShock 4s at, because they had a uh, PS5 now, and there was stuff that was released that was like, hey, the PSVR needs the light bar on the front of the DualShock 4s, so if you're going to be using the PSVR, you can't be using the DualSense for some games. You have to use the DualShock 4 okay, so on then, the yeah, PS5. Okay, so then you can use it. Yes. Nice. That's good to know. Yeah. All right, so that was my, my VR title in there. Um, I think I have two more. Yes. I do have two more. Okay. Um, the by far the game that like I think captivated me story wise and made me want to like explore the most like trying to fill out all the story gaps was definitely uh, Horizon Zero Dawn for me. Okay. That another another open world RPG, but like something about the way that they wrote the story and you're like living out these like moments of history through your main character um, in the game, right? Like for for some reason, it just captivated my mind so much that this was the game. That game was the one that actually made me start looking into D and D because I wanted something that could like kind of fulfill that like that ability to have some sort of world like Horizon Zero Dawn in another RPG fantasy setting. Because I was like, how is this not more prevalent as like a genre? You know what I mean? <laughs> Nice. But uh, Horizon Zero Dawn got that for me, so that 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 for sure is on my list. Okay, that's so cool. And it's a and it's a very it's a very like honestly it's a very beautiful game. You know, like the the the, the design behind the the like technologically organic creatures, like the just the idea that they like actually took animal model references and tried to make like a technological machine that would like almost mimic the same function. But like the, the the whole mystery behind it with like the, the technological aspect of like losing all of humanity and then reseeding the planet but still having like some sort of AI to overwatch everything, that storyline captivated the fuck out of me. <laughs> like for sure. So like it's one of the ones that sticks out very heavily in my mind with this gen. So that's that's definitely on my list. And uh finally, I think definitely the game that I the game I went into the most blind, but ended up finding to be a really interesting experience beyond just gaming was Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Oh, I've talked about this on the podcast. Yes. Talked about Hellblade. This game a lot. <laughs> I know I've talked about this game a lot, but there's a reason and there's a reason that's on my list. I know. <laughs> like, uh, like beyond just the amazing score, beyond the visuals, beyond the gameplay, the, 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 the idea that they made a video game to represent, to, to help trans, not translate, but help represent and show some people that may not have an idea of what like mental disorders are or what they can kind of be like to certain people who are affected by them, right? Yeah. It's, it's amazing to me that, that we live now in a day and age where video games are starting to take like, a, not a stance, but they're starting to, to show and bring to light like these very, pre like, relevant issues but in a very interesting way that engages you to not only interact because it's like a fun ass game but it gives you like a very you you feel so uneasy in the game because of the atmosphere they create and all these little things they do to kind of like help hint at like oh she's schizophrenic or oh she's like you know par paranoid or like all these different kinds of things that are like uh, that can affect a human mind in real life 
are being translated and interpreted in a very interesting way that also sparks my like curiosity of like you know Norse mythology, which I don't get enough of in my daily intake at this point. But uh, yeah, Hellblade for sure made the largest impression on me out of any of these games. Just because, like I said, I went into that game blind and only looked up what it really was about until after I played it. And what sacrifice I discovered the um, dev diaries on YouTube when they posted like their second one. So I watched the whole dev diary process and I was just so in love with the game and the teeny little studio. I was like, man, I hope this game does well. I really hope that it sells. And then it like blew the fuck up and I've never been so happy. It's such a feel good story. Cause like if you go to their like YouTube channel and watch the dev diaries, like the person that plays Sunwell was just a girl that worked there and she was supposed to be the fill in. And then she did such an amazing job. Like capturing all of the facial expressions and things they were like girl you're an actress now because you gotta be Sunwa but she was yeah. not a, a mocap actress she was just a girl that worked there and it's just yeah it's beautiful it's a really cute little studio and I'm excited as hell to see what they're gonna do with the second one yes I hope it's good I hope so too I hope it's not yes, like that was the that was my my overall impression of what gaming to me was like in this generation those were some hot picks very good and then last and not least, say is the least, is me. No. <laughs> I mean, I'll say it. I, that doesn't mean I believe it. It also doesn't mean I don't believe it. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> um, So my list, I went for games that I constantly replay. Um, is there anything that could be the narrative that, that keeps me, ties me back? Or it changed, it changed me in some form of way that I like. I now look at society or as an artist how i approach my art now and games that just like i just love the narrative like i i have to go back for for more um no in particular order so the first one is injustice one gods among us yes nice this now injustice 2 is all well in injustice shazam gets killed Alright, it just wrapped that. It was too bad. Like that fucked yeah. me up real bad. That whole scene. I had to walk away. That 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 actually really got me in the feels. I didn't expect that right off the bat. And no, it was so oh god. Right off the Billy Bat. And if you read Flashpoint, seeing Billy Batson getting killed is it's 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 it doesn't oh. it's not drawing, it's not drawing anymore. Like trust me. If anyone, if y'all have not played God's Among Yeah, us, but he's voiced and you'd spend so much time with him as like a little kid and like he's just a kid and then he just barbecued his brains and I'm, it's just oh. I'm jaded. If you read Flashpoint or watch the animated movie, you will be desensitized when you get to Nah. God's when they kill played, like you kill Shazam, it gets me every time. Killing Shazam is like killing a dog in a more in a horror movie, you know what I mean? <laughs> Shazam's a dog in this way. Right. Like, it doesn't matter how many dogs they kill in a horror movie. A dog dies in a horror movie, I'm going to feel some type of way about it. And this is the only game where, reading the comic book, and it's also around the time, Damian Wayne started becoming more of a known Robin. I love Damian Wayne. He's the but second best Robin. I don't like Damian Wayne. Ooh. No! Bad Ooh. cow! And this, you don't know what gave us did. bad cow! And <laughs> this game doubled down why I don't like Damien, because... I'm so shook. This is... game was the bad Damien. Yeah, this game was if Damien was shitty. I've read some stuff where he's done well, but, like, yeah, this is what Damien could totally be. He's like Sasuke. True. Uh... <laughs> 
It's, he's I mean, not in the that? comics. In the comics, he becomes better. I yeah, hated Damien when they first introduced okay, him. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the fact that the comic version is better, yes. Right, and Damien Wayne hanging out with uh, Jonathan Kent. Only So cute. Only, Those two together. Here's the thing, though. The only reason why Damien is more better now is because I think it benefits having him start as a kid. Um... Oh my god, why am I blanking on his name? Scott Snyder. Mm -hmm. Him growing Damien, and then each writer putting then putting him in Teen Titans. He's growing he's growing as a character. He's so good in Teen I love the I love Teen Titans, but the Damien Wayne Teen Titans is really cute. He's like, It's my birthday, it's my birthday, I get to start the Teen Titans now because I'm thirteen and he's so fucking cute. And uh first time I've ever heard anybody describe Damien in that moment as cute. He's so cute. It's his birthday. He's been wait. He's like, you know, when he was like 10, he was like, I'm going to start the Teen Titans. I'm, you know, double digits. And Batman was like, it's Teen Titans. And he's like, I'm 12. That's close enough. And he's like, that's, it's not pre-Teen Titans, Damien. And now he's 13 and there ain't shit Batman can say about it. Like, oh, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's so cute. But I like Bakugo in My Hero Academia. And if you don't like Bakugo, you probably don't like Damian Wayne. I feel okay, like there's so, a lot of correlation there. So you like a? Do you like a lot of the male soons? Um, well, I'm very Sundari. So like, and like as a child, I was very like, it was hard for me to express myself in things that weren't rage. So like, God, I can understand God. the like tantrums and things like that, and the like being an asshole because I was a real asshole kid because I couldn't properly process my emotions, and so I have a lot of like leeway for that i'm more todoroki right oh see todoroki is the one that i like that's my bishonen like you know when he's 18 he can call me you know what i mean but like yeah, bakugo I... is me at that age i was a little bakugo i was a little shit this is unfair flip table like that was me but it's because it was unfair like it's righteous fury you know like that righteous fury is what's like if you if you channel that and you have a good guiding influence you can become a hero but if you have a bad guiding influence that's how you become a villain or sasuke i just realized i really need to catch up on my um my hero there you go um and the reason why i like the injustice it was when you realize you thought it was a what-if story and then you realize like oh no we have the main dc and the dc universe congregating with this DC universe and you have Batman who's stuck in this world like like Batman is literally having to think all right how am I get through this in the midst of all this it's so good uh, injustice has the best story in any fighting game yes for sure yeah hands down and that pulled me back into um liking um nether realm games again because i was like i was really i really checked out mortal kombat because i always felt their stories were so convoluted really i liked mortal they, they did but like i think that like i think mortal kombat 9 was the one that really started cleaning it up and then 9 and then 10 was pretty good um but i definitely think that like 9 was the start and then injustice came out after and injustice you know because we keep going back and forth i think that Mortal Kombat 10 benefited from doing Injustice and from the things that they learned there. And so, like, Mortal Kombat turned a corner at the same time that they started working on Injustice. And I like this new Nether Realm a lot. I think they're doing a lot of important things in the fighting community. I don't know. For, and for me, this also introduced me to Tom King, who's one of my favorite, now one of my favorite comic book writers. Um, oh, yeah. He So I was like, and seeing his approach, how, and. He talked about um, DC deceased um, and the characters that he killed off, and and it makes sense because you're killing off. He's like, you're not killing off killers characters just to kill them off. He said it has to be 
a specific reason in my head, and if the readers can get that, they can accept these character deaths. So, like, Damien being jealous of Dick and then throwing a tantrum and inadvertently, even though it was an accident, killing Dick Grayson. Yeah, that was so huge, because for people who don't know or remember, like, when Injustice came out, they were very coy about who Robin was. They just kept referring to it as Robin, and so you kind of think, and Batman's pissed at Robin, and he's like, you killed my fucking son. And so you're led to believe it's Dick Grayson as the Robin, and that Dick killed Damien, but then it's like a reveal, which, I mean, it's, I think, after, before Shazam's death, so it's not that later reveal. But it's a reveal that actually Damian Wayne killed Dick Grayson, and Batman is, is like, acknowledging Dick Grayson as his son, and is like, you killed my favorite. Like, you're my blood son, but that was my favorite son, and you killed him, and you're nothing to me. Yeah. That's the feud. And so, like, he disowns his blood child because he killed Dick. Yep, and then, and I'm I'm pulling from, this is from the comic book, Dick Grayson will always say it, I'm the best, and I will always be the best. And that's why Dick Grayson is... Even though I'm pissed that he's not in the game, he's still the best. But also, what I love about Injustice, it included Martian, I mean, not Martian Hunter, John Stewart as an actual playable character as a different skin to um, Hal Jordan. What's also, they got, um, oh my, I forgot, I forgot his name. He voiced them in Justice League. Um, oh. 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 Mm. Phil Lamar. Thank you. Yes. Phil Lamar came back to voice John Stewart for the game. And nice. see, I grew up with John Stewart uh, Green Lantern, and I didn't get into comics until I was late teens. And so whenever I would see a white Green Lantern, I'd be like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> That's not John Stewart. Because um, I didn't realize there was like different people who could play different heroes at the time. I was a baby. But yeah, it always confused me. Like, Hal Jordan, that's not my Green Lantern. And Or like, I always think of Wally West when I think of the Flash. So whenever you have like a Flash or a Green Lantern that's not those two, I'm like, wait, where's my ginger? Like, that's I, I, not. I always said, growing up, I was fortunate enough, um, both my uncles, um, who recently passed away, um, I was fortunate enough to grow up. They both... One uncle was, um, was I think, in his teens when Spider-Man first came out. Spider-Man came out, I want to believe, 1964, 67. But he was, still, he was in his teens when that came out. And then the other, my other uncle, he was, um, by the time he was a teens, Wally became the Flash in his late teens, early 20s. So being seen, having them to teach me about superheroes so like every time i talk about the flash barry allen is mine when i'm talking about green lantern is how is how jordan i already john stewart came out i want to say 86 87 but i was like i wasn't feeling it i'm still pissed at the fact that they turned how jordan into a villain at that point in time by the way, Spider-Man published in 62. Yeah, I was okay. going to say, it's, it's 62. Because okay. by 67, they had a Japanese Spider-Man who's yeah. the best Spider-Man. Have you heard the, ja- <laughs> the Japanese Spider-Man? Yeah. Stop seen- and look up the Japanese Spider-Man I've intro. Oh, that I see. song is so good. That's a bop. Like this, The intro song for Japanese Spider-Man is like super swanky and jazzy, and it's so good. Yep. <laughs> I unfortunately had to grow up with that crappy CDS. Yeah, Spider-Man that used guns, right? <laughs> see, I used to, used to have really bad insomnia as a child, and so I'd stay up really late and watch the 1930s black and white Supermans. 
That's why I fucking hate Lois Lane. Because if you don't know, the plot of every 1930s Superman is Lois Lane does some objectively stupid bullshit and maybe tries to murder Clark Kent and then Superman saves her. Like one of them, she's like, oh, there's a bad guy in a volcano lair and everyone knows it. I'm going to go report on him. And everyone in the newspaper's like, don't do that. He's going to kill you. He's a bad guy. And then she sneaks aboard a plane and gets onto the volcano island and immediately gets captured. And Superman has to come save her. And I'm like, you're just you're just a dumb bitch. And then Superman gets there and he's like, look, it's me, Clark Kent. I'm, I'm here to save you. It's me, Clark Kent. And so she tries to push him in a volcano. Dead ass. She's like, Clark Kent's here to steal my story. I got to push him in a volcano. Lois <laughs> Lane was evil like to me the only thing that would have made injustice better is if somehow we could have had it where it was like evil lois lane and batman and like instead of the my like a plane is the wonder woman emperor palpatine rings so hollow to me like they have to totally ruin wonder woman's character for injustice to make sense it's my one critique that's the only thing i disliked about injustice was right really she's fucking aquaman and then murdered mara that's how this starts that's how it starts like flashpoint that that that's Flashpoint Wonder Woman. Right? Um, yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Well, that, I guess theoretically, wasn't the whole quote-unquote reasoning behind that or her character being different was that she didn't technically leave Themyscira? Yeah. That version? Yeah. yeah. But like, she's that more feral one. So she, she grew up to, like, become, like, this, like, warlord almost. Yeah. And, and that's why everybody has their own interpretation. And this is, that is the other realm. That was um, Jeff John's interpretation of what Wonder Woman is in that universe. And right. this is so, Tom King's version, so that's Injustice. Um, it gave me a good story, and and, it, and like you said, Black Canary and Green Arrow, couple of the year. And no matter, every time you break them up, a year or six months later, they're back together. He doesn't deserve her, but he's who she wants, so he's who she gets, because she deserves to get what she wants. But that's then, their relationship. I don't forgive Black Canary for her hooking up with Batman. Fuck that! He had a child out of wedlock, then lied about it. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we have discussed this on... Oh, wait, we're talking about Ollie, we're talking about Bruce. Ollie. Oh, okay, Ollie. Connor Hawk? Oh, yeah. she, has, she has a teenage stepson she didn't know about because her husband's a philanderer. She okay. can fuck whoever she wants. She has okay. at least one hall pass. All right, yeah, there, there's... Okay, that's the hall pass. I thought it was going to know about yeah. Bruce. I was like, no, Bruce Wayne was raped. Right. No, the thing that I like about Green Arrow is that Green Arrow is Batman if the Bruce Wayne persona was real. Okay. Like, if it was actually a millionaire playboy who was also a vigilante. Like, if it wasn't an asshole who pretends to be a millionaire playboy. That's Green Arrow. By the way, this is now literally a quintessential episode because we have officially devolved into DC like we always fucking do. I know. I love it. I know. I'm a DC <laughs> fangirl. That's me. Like. I, I was all pro DC. I, I was more. I'm now. I, I, I use I use the word omnipresent, which means for me that means I have certain things I don't like about Marvel. I have certain things I don't like about DC, but there's still certain things that are still good about them both. It's just the negative of them are just taking. It's just now more present than they are. So like for DC. All their movies. I love Batman vs. Superman. It's a great movie, and the director's edition could only have been made better if it was longer. Oh, we really gotta have to do an episode, because I have opinions. Alright, next, uh, next on my list. That's you. It's all you. What's your next list? Watch Dogs 2. I... Suicide Squad was a good movie. 
Watch Dogs 2. Um, you're not going to break me. Watch Dogs 2. <laughs> um, is, Did you say that's a good movie? <laughs> like I said, we're not going to eat. Stay on target. Stay on target. The Oscar winner? Stay on target. Oh, God. <laughs> Watch Dogs 2. This mm-hmm. game um, changed my perception of how to tackle my art as an artist. Um, I'm now using because of this game. I'm using a lot more vibrant colors. Um, the, mm. the the story element of the game, I can connect with it because as like I don't have. There's not a lot of black protagonists in video games. There isn't, and I'm not gonna go for Franklin for Grand Theft Auto because he's a gangster. I'm like I'm not a gangbanger. I'm a, I'm a fucking nerd. <laughs> like and I like rock music. Like I get called a fucking Oreo. I can. I could picture Marcus being called an Oreo because he likes certain things that probably doesn't align with how black people are supposed to be and, and mm-hmm. what, the, what the world view is. And I like the fact that Ubisoft was, whoever wrote Watch Dogs 2, I'm going to praise them for that because it showed a black nerd doing nerdy shit and he's trying to save his, trying to save the community, but now in the community, the world. And it has a ripple effect. Look at Watch Dogs Legion. I'm not gonna play Watch Dogs Legion because I feel narratively it should not go that route. It should. It should. Yeah. Um, I feel the single protagonist works, but you know, I'm out of. Or at least some protagonists. Yeah, like. Like I like the idea of being able to hop into anybody, but I would have preferred if there was like six main people yeah. that were like pushing a narrative forward that mattered. Yeah. And then you could also hop into anybody to accomplish like quests type goals you know what i mean yeah um and also music wise um i've always been i've, I've never like rap because i i don't call women out their name i don't push drugs and i don't i if if i have to fight that's the only time i'm going to condone violence but it was like when it's like literally killing people over a street a street block that we don't own uh, like when you hear that in rap lyrics there's never like no but Run the Jewels is like featured on Watch Dogs 2. And I'm like, I fucks with, I bops to this. Like, mm-hmm. and, um, they even include nerdcore rap, which I do know. Like, I listen to that. Um, EDM, which I'm, and that also like is a good connector to chill hop music. So Watch Dogs 2 has all this flavor. And especially, I, my, my I'm always mad at my grandmother. She like always she used to frequent San Francisco all the time as her vacation, and I'm living vicariously playing the game. Like, I wonder if this. I wonder if this portion of San Francisco is real, or if this area is real. Like, I, I love is, that. Like, this is me. One, like, I want to. Like, I'm, I can't now because we're in the pandemic, and plus I'm broke. But <laughs> you can have a little vacation. Yeah. yeah. I, when what was it? Uh, infamous Second Son was in Seattle. Yeah. When that game came out, it was two months before I moved to Seattle for the first time. And so my boyfriend at the time and I would just like play the game and try to guess what shops were real and which ones were fake names. Mm -hmm. And there's like one that's all over in the game called Bigfoot Java. And it was like the our flavor is legendary. It was like the tagline everywhere. And I was like, well, that's fucking stupid. So that's definitely fake. And then we drove here and we got to a certain point in Washington state. And I saw my first Bigfoot Java and I was just like, oh, my God, that was real. <laughs> and there are Bigfoot Javas all over this fucking state. <laughs> um, like the only thing I know to piggyback on that. I know that's real is Fisherman's Wharf. 
So it's like, oh, yeah. I, I like I know that's real. Um, I know, right? Marion, I know Marion County is real. So I was like, okay, but I'm, then I'm sitting there thinking, like, right, Marion County is real. Did they put in Lucas Industrial Light and Sound in the game? No, they didn't do that. It would have been cool if they did. Yes. Like, it's in Marion County. Like, we're traveling to this area. Um, Seeing Oakland. I know Oakland don't look 100% like that. But seeing Oakland, like, being able to travel different parts of um, San Francisco, all throughout San Francisco, and then seeing Stanford, because I was like, oh, fuck. I have a friend who's in Stanford at, well, at the time when the game came out was at Stanford. So I was like, holy fuck, this game was like, I wish I was Marcus. Like, legit, I will cosplay as Marcus one day. Do it! When I'm about 300 pounds lighter. But! <laughs> no, just do it! I have a weird perception of my own body type. <laughs> I feel it. I understand. You should do it anyways, though. But, um, yeah, Watch Dogs has changed me and being, like, speaking in terms of consumerism, um, how we approach, um, like, just daily, like, I'm now looking at how people with disabilities, including, like, myself, are treated differently than those who are able-bodied, especially within the government, and how that can, I can correlate that with my art, and just, like, this game really helped me with that, so I'm like, so Watch Dogs 2 is always, is for me, it has a good balance of gold standard of gameplay and narrative, but I'm different from you. I don't like stealth shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't. And then I played Persona 5. And it made the stealth so fun and like easy for someone who didn't usually like stealth because we're not good at it. Like me. And then after that, I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which, which was my first Assassin's Creed. And I used what I learned in Persona. And I played the whole thing stealth killing. Just hiding in bushes and dragging people down the P-wells. And just, I became a stealth ninja god. It was great. And that's why Assassin's Creed is never on my list because I don't like stealth. Because I will always find a way to make sure if I can do it as loud as possible. So, like, if I'm playing Assassin's Creed, I will cause a disturbance for the person to actually... And that's what I loved about Assassin's Creed, where you can distract the person with a loud noise and you can go off and kill them and then just go right up into the crowd. But Watch Dogs 2, when, as soon as I was able to unlock bombs, I was blowing shit up left and right so I can just breeze through the map. Junk rat, man. We get it. Yeah, I was just I was junk, I was junk rat though on the damn map. I was like, you know what? I was like, oh, you got a family. Too bad you gotta die. No, I played Odyssey by going into whatever area had the pee well, and I would hide in the well. And whenever a guard would come to pee, I'd pull him down, and I just had like a well full of corpses until there was like three guys left and that's what i would just leroy jenkins it like i'd thin the herd and then i'd just be like what is the most bombastic way i can take this camp over leroy jenkins. right like all your friends are all gone they all had to tinkle and now they're dead <laughs> like that's why i did not put um deus x on this list because even for deus x i was like i would try to stealth it and then as soon as i accidentally tripped an alarm i was like all right fuck it i guess i have to kill everybody now. That's like trying to do Deus Ex, but getting the uh, no kills. Oh fuck that! <laughs> Pacifist run. Oh. Um, next on my list, um, we talked about it at at nauseum. We're gonna talk about it again. Dragon Age Inquisition. Yes, thank you, my hero. Um, once again, it's it's the story. Bioware, I feel, always excels with the with the story. So good. And so good. 
love all the characters, love all the romances. Even like if you have, if you keep, and this is a good tip on Christian, keep Iron Bull and Dorian as your party members. They will, yes. They will eventually start a romance between the two NPC, two characters will start a romance, and you're gonna be like, holy shit. Yeah, it's very cute, and they're both really fun to have thing like commenting on stuff. Um. um who you have in your party is so fun because when you're one of the things that makes Dragon Age so fun to just explore this giant world is that there's so much fun party banter that you want to use different combinations of party members just to like hear what everyone says to each other. Yeah, um, it's so fun. Um, there's one. It was Cassandra, Bull, and Dorian. No, no, Cassandra. That's I, my main party, to be honest. I, That's how I roll. No, this one, for this one specific one, I was like, I want to know what Sarah is going to say. So I didn't have Dorian with us. So it was Cassandra, Sarah, Iron Bull. And Iron Bull made the comment. So I heard you and the Inquisitor. Um, he said something about a sexual position. And then Cassandra's like this. How you know we haven't even tried it yet? And I was like, oh, damn. And then the trigger comes up for your character, for the Inquisitor to say something. And I was like, Cassandra, and then Sarah's just, and then here comes Sarah, just laughing like, oh, they're getting nasty. It's so good. There's so many little fun snippets, and so like, um, Byward did a really cool thing where they have a website called the Dragon Age Keep mm -hmm. that has a record of every choice that you make in Dragon Age 1 and 2 leading yeah. into 3. And so when you start playing 3, you can either upload all of your choices from the previous games yeah. or you can have like a, a default route if you don't care or if you've never played one before and you just want to go. So what I did, because Dragon Age 3 was my first Dragon Age and I'm a serial killer, is I went to the Dragon Age Keep and I checked and I just went through starting with Dragon Age 1 and it divides it by like companions. And so you open up companions and it's like, who did your Dragon Age 1 character romance? And you can pick who they romanced and um, you you have the companion quest for each one because it's very similar to, to Mass Effect where you have like a companion quest that you can do that's like a little side quest for that character. And if you complete it, they'll become like loyal to you. They have loyalty quests in Dragon Age 2. Um, so like you have this, this choices, like, did you do this person's loyalty quest? And so what I did is I pulled up the Dragon Age Wikia and I just went through and I was like, okay, let me read about every single playable character and let me read about their quests and the different options. Okay. Let me read about these quests and this options. Let me read about every origin. And I went through and I Googled and researched every decision and made it. So that way I could study and learn all the lore and all of the important like names and places and characters. And so that way, when I started Dragon Age three, I uploaded my keep that I made, even though I'd never played either of the other two games. And there are so many little references to like, if you kept somebody alive in Dragon Age 1, there might be a quest in Dragon Age 3 Well, they will give you resources if you like complete a quest for them because they're alive. Um, and so there's tons of little rewards for completing the prior games in the series, and I just think it's so great. Now, did you let Liliana live when you did Dragon Age Keep? Oh, yeah, Liliana's alive. Okay, here's, um, here's some, here's some backroom knowledge. Now, I played Ooh. Origins 2 and obviously Inquisition. Now, mm -hmm. if you kill off Liliana in Origins, she comes back in three, and she says, "Yeah." And she she will say, "I'll remember is his um, the warden's um sword cutting me down, and I woke up, um, inside Andraste's chambers." She will want to kill the warden. 
she when you mentioned the warden, the, the I give this voice actress like she should have won won the Game Awards for voice best voice acting. The way how she delivered that she has such disdain for the warden. She has really good lines. If um in your saves, she was in love with the warden too. There's a bunch of like little dialogue choices. Yep, and I have it in minds where the warden comes back. You don't see you don't see her character from Origins, but she becomes the new uh, divine, and the warden sneaks in to get him those some those some some, <laughs> um or he's there. Like he's always there when she when um, she needs him or them and, and I'll say them for the war for the warden because like we don't need to place a gender on, on on characters you can create but I was like I love the little this just the little nitpicks that you can put for that leads up to Inquisition um, like for Dragon Age two I always hate Dragon Age two the one story that always broke my heart and it, and Dragon Age two came out the same year my mother passed. No. Mm-hmm. So it's the portion where Hawk loses his mother. Mm-hmm. So that fucking hits me. But it also um, Hawk brings it up in Inquisition. If you have, if you talk to him, he brings up like what what a mage did to his family and what his mother. But like his sister, depending on if you made them um, a mage or not, even if he has disdain for mages, he still loves the Hawk. Still loves their sister. Even if their sister is a mage, I'm like just because the mages are doing this, I'm not gonna condemn my sister for what these people are doing. Yeah. So basically, the plot of Dragon Age um, that really comes to a head in Inquisition is that there are mages that are just people that are born with innate magical abilities, and the way it's set up now is if you just dis- display magic abilities and you're a mage, you get shipped off to live in a Rapunzel tower forever so you can be trained to use your magic because if you aren't trained, demons can enter your body super easy and cause hella fucking chaos. So they're like like mage racist people that like think all mages should be destroyed as soon as they're like little kids that are sparking fires or whatever. And mages are like, hey, we don't want to live in these Rapunzel towers. We are responsible. It's almost kind of X-Men-y like you know or like oh, yeah. civil war you know it's like we don't want to have to be like registered to the government and words of the state living in these tower concentration camp things because some towers are really good like university type places like when you think of mages in a traditional final fantasy setting or not mm-hmm. final fantasy but like fantasy setting um and some k- towers are like guantanamo bays for mages like they're tortured and starved and it's horrible it just kind of depends on if you're in like fantasy georgia or not um Wow, Georgia's not a good example of that anymore. Congrats, you guys. Um, <laughs> and so um, that's kind of the plot, where there are people who are anti-mage, that are terrified of mages, and like freak out and think they should all be killed. And then there are people who are like, mages should you know, be out of the towers. And then there are neoliberals who are like, keep the mages in the towers, but also the towers have to be checked for you know, OSHA regulations. Yeah. And so, like, you have to navigate these kind of three different choices of how, like, magic and magic-wielding people should be handled. Hmm. But there are, like, like Brotherhood of Mutant-style mages that do, like, pillage and burn and stuff. So it's like, God damn it, stop giving us a bad name. And it gets it's very complex. Yeah. Uh, we can keep on going. But the next on my list, Streets of Rage 4. Nice. It's, it's a recent one that came out this past June. So it was I'm a good fascinated. It was a yeah. Good, um, it's a if you've been following Streets of Rage all the way from the late '80s throughout the '90s, 
you you should already know the story of Streets of Rage. Um, they're dealing with um, four cops who are dealing with corrupt cops, corrupt government. But in Streets of Rage 4, they don't, the two main characters, Alex and um, Blaze, they no longer work for the police no more. Now they're dealing, they're part of the detective dealing with the corrupt police, corrupt government, and they just, and they, um, one of my favorite characters, Axel, is back, but his daughter is a rocker with a guitar. She kicks ass in the game. Like, there's a narrative, like, it's a father and daughter, um, um, working together again. Um, it, it's, it's super fun. It's the one of the few platform 2D side scrollers that I that I constantly play. I haven't played. I haven't. Uh, so many good games came out this year. So I was like, and so and it's unfortunate that Streets of Rage came out in the middle of that. I have I stopped like legit almost close to the end of the game, but I will finish it. Uh, which is like I guess the common, uh, a common theme of all of us gamers. <laughs> like like ooh, something new. But still, uh, but the art design is is it's on the level of Watch Dogs 2 for me. The art design is beautiful. The game music is just as just as fucking great. The special effects, I mean, the special attacks is just as great. And I like playing as um, Axel's daughter. Um, the guitar, just having the fact that she has a, a perpetual weapon on her, is better instead of having just have a straight brawlers fighting. So like I have I now like and now I can say like. For the first time in my life, I have a main character I can use right off the bat, and I know how to work. <laughs> and it's, it, it's really fun. And, it's, and, and this is the first time in any gaming, with a, a gaming series like um, Streets of Rage, it has a difficulty system. Because normally, any old school 90s um, side-scrollers are perpetually hard, no matter what. Now, oh, yeah. This, it has a difficulty system, so if you feel like if you... Are playing with a kid, uh, sibling or someone who are not that great as side scrollers, you can make the difficulty super easy for um, just for that person who's with you, so you can both get through the game. But something that's still on there, you can, you can turn it on and off. There's still um, what's the word, the phrase I'm looking for? Friendly fire. So just fair warning. Don't use area attacks when your party members there. I can't handle friendly fire. I can't be that responsible. Please no. <laughs> that was one of the things I hate about City of Heroes. It had friendly fire. That was the one MMO I had loved. Um, it was me constantly apologizing, like, "Oh, my bad." Oh. I always. That's why I always pick the speed. City of Heroes is like, if you put Justice League with the Marvel Universe all in one. So like you have your Captain America, Superman type, um, think of like the Registration Act in the MCU was a pro like it was there was no fighting like let's say Civil War never happened, everyone agreed to register their powers with the government. So like any new heroes will have to go and register their powers, and you get approved like if you're going to be a hero or not, like you can like. You have to like get your like your registration. Like when you start the game, your registration license to be a superhero, which is that's the city of heroes. But um, next on my list, the Outer Worlds. Yes. Yes. Mm hmm. You only play this game so much ever since it came out, and talk about it all the time. It's so good. It's the story, the the characters, the dynamic. 
the number one favorite character amongst everybody is always Pavardi Holcomb. Everybody loves Pavardi, and it is, and I'm like, it's because of um, the voice actress who played Tiny Tina. I keep forgetting her name. Um, damn it! Is by the time we're done, I'm gonna end up remembering her name. I hate that. Um, <laughs> it's the characters, the game. To me, I always treat it like if fire. This was like this. You haven't seen Firefly, so you wouldn't get that point of reference, but. It's Star Trek D Space Nine. I feel it. Yeah. Like Star Trek D Space Nine. Yeah. Or Voyager. Um, yeah, I was gonna say it's like Deep Space Nine if you traveled. It's like Star Ocean. I've never played Star. But it's like Star Ocean if it was made by the people that made Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's Mass Effect Fallout. There you go. That is a good. That is a good mashup. Like it literally is. It's the people that did Fallout, but doing it in space. Yeah, yeah. It really is. They did. Yeah, they did New Vegas, right? They did New Vegas, which a lot of people love. I rage quit um, New Vegas because what made you rage quit? The fact that, and I did read interviews when I during the time I rage quit. This is re, this is like around August, uh, August, uh, July. I rage quit um, New Vegas. It was the fact that so much, so little health, so little um, actually good weapons to get you through. And I'm like, I'm so used to like Fallout Three, Fallout Four, or now in this case, Outer Worlds having good resources to actually get through the first couple of hours via game so I can actually like okay I can get through this if I know I can get through this I can get through the rest I never got that sense of like oh I'm gonna get through this area no I felt like I'm going to constantly get killed which I constantly did I'm like and I'm tra- and then plus I'm playing like how I play video games especially RPGs like the Outer Worlds now try to uh, try to apply that to a game that came out around the PS2, I want to say the PS3, PS2 era. And I was like, no, that don't work. So I was like, I'm out. But Obsidian, when it comes to game writing, though, that's where I feel Obsidian shines. So, like, the murder mystery, well, technically the main character of New Vegas is live, but he's still trying to figure out who the fuck shot him in the face. (laughs) And then you got um, all the, all the outer worlds where you learn that this economy is collapsing. But then when you get further into the game, you realize like their communication with Earth is cut off. The Earth Directorate of Halcyon is missing. Like they was going back to Earth and they are now legit missing. Now we know that I found out that the, third, the second and final DLC, Murder of Eridanos, it's not gonna. It's not gonna. Ref, um, it's not gonna talk about all the mystery aspects of it. It's gonna be more of the mystery of like I guess it's gonna be a specific character that's missing, and you're gonna be going to planets that were locked out in the game. Even if you played Tales of Gorgon, you're going to those planets um, for the second DLC. Um, I'm hearing rumblings there may be Outer Worlds too that will directly reference that about the missing uh, about Earth, but. Those are just, we don't like doing rumors because last time we did a freaking rumor, we turned out it was a it was a fucking lie, and we had to do a whole two hour episode apologizing, and then me and Christian 
calling out the person, saying, we're, if we find you... Oh, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a thing. Oh, my God. I can't, we got got on that one. <laughs> I'm still mad about that. But back to Outer Worlds. Um, and it's one of the few um, RPGs where you don't have a ram- romance option. But one person who worked on the game did say there was supposed to be a romance option between the main character and Ellie. Mm. I need multiple. I need hundreds. The only reason why... Like, just make it a dating sim. Don't, I want to be able to fuck everyone on the planet. Like how in Watch Dogs, you could, like, see everyone's cell phone shit. Fuck that. I want their Tinder bios popping up when I walk past people. <laughs> because um, I swipe left or right on them. Maybe they respond and come to my ship later. Maybe they don't. I'm off to the next planet on Tuesday. To be fair, is that not what Stumble Upon is? Yeah. Right? Sorry. Because uh, they said if you look at some of the dialogue and how they interact, how the main your character interacts with Ellie, you can tell there is something there, but it's like it's not. They're not going to cross the line because they literally vetoed any romance in the game. So it's like you can like you can create. That's what I love about RPGs. You can create your own narrative. Like I think. Go ahead. No, no I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just saying like I think in in a way it's a good thing where it's like if they can't give you like a large array of romance options it's probably better to just like not have it in a way you know yeah no for sure i can agree with the choice at least mm-hmm. um but then also you st- you still don't need a romance but it's still it's still Pavardi and june which is i think even though the fucking task of getting her Pavardi to get in her date with june is so fucking long but it's, it's a good payoff, though, because you want to see yeah. Brevardi get the goal. And to be fair, it is, like, interesting, that take. Like, I can't think of many, like, honestly, movies, let alone video games, that would, like, put the, the viewer in a situation where it's like, you are helping bud, like, this, this possible romance, and you're witnessing the romance happening, but it's not directly involving the main character unless, like... Unless you're doing a quest or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I, I just thought that was like a really interesting way to like put romance in the game without necessarily directly um, having it impact the player it's themselves. And I also like the fact that it was more organic that you realized like, oh, Pavardi's gay. Like it wasn't. It's not outright telling you. It's like you're learning, but also in a way, Pavardi's. I'm not. She knows, but she's like she's learning more, but she's also opening herself like. I've noticed in this third playthrough, she mentioned that she had, she was with someone before, but they didn't realize the fact that she wants to be with someone, but not in that physical way. And I was like, I guess I wasn't, I wasn't listening in the first two playthroughs. Like, holy shit. I want to know more. Like these people provided like who, like the women that you was with that did not listen to you. That made you regress more and more until, well, until our character came and be like, no, be yourself. If you want to be with Junlei, be with Junlei. And I feel like, I'm like, I like this. I want to see more of this. <laughs> Let's get more of this. Like, and he wants a matchmaker video game. Basically, I'm, I'm the matchmaker. Like, I'm Will Smith Hitch. Oh, like the next version of, like, a dating sim? Like, your match. That's how I play Fire Emblem Awakening. I don't know how you guys play it. No, no. To be fair, you're completely right. I, yeah. I played that game for that reason a lot. All right. Who's going to be Lucina's mommy? I got to decide. It's like, wait, wait. Which hair is which hair color? 
Right? <laughs> Looks like Owain has to be a blonde still, so that's going to narrow our choices a little bit. Like, yeah. It's like he's going to... Wait, I'm trying to remember. Wasn't... No, yeah, he's the one that's, like, all big and courageous again. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just, yeah I remember now. Yeah, I love it. That's one of my favorite. I have so many Excel spreadsheets of I, Fire Emblem children. Oh, my God, do you really? Yeah, I have. It's, like, a running joke. Is It's, like, oh, how many spreadsheets does Kaylee have when she hasn't even started this RPG? Because sometimes I just need to sit down and organize things. I'm legit. You know, like, who's yeah. fucking who? Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah, I gotta pair everybody up. So it's like, okay, let's see who can romance who. Let's decide on some epilogues. And... It's like, which save am I on again? Right? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. That's a good time. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to play, that's why, I, like, that's why I put Awakening over Three Houses because Awakening let me play, like, Matchmaker and there were babies, but I didn't that get was, the babies was, in Three Houses. Yeah, that was that was something that I was missing from Three Houses for sure because it's like, oh right, it's not like a future time concept where like we can actually see them and interact with them like like right like. I wanted it to go full on like genealogy of the holy war and have the like have them be high schoolers that were graduating or even like college students that were graduating and then the romance gets locked in before the time jump and then at the time jump you're playing with their like 16 year old kids because it's been 20 years so, like that's okay. what I wanted instead wait. of the like three year time jump or whatever but right no okay wait you you might be the only person that could possibly say yes to this that I know possibly just because oh nobody else I know has read Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer. I've wait. Yeah. Have you read you were gonna... Demon Slayer? Yeah, of course. We were talking about this in my Discord the other day. Nobody I, I know read it. Like, like I'm just really like I just. I think... have my own version of that, and it's called Sorcerer Hunters. And so for a second, I thought that's what you were saying, and I was like, oh my god, do we have the same one? Um, because yeah, now, I swear to God, we were just really talking about this. Like the time skip at the end there. Like, I just love it. I almost said this, but I'm not even going to take time to stop to think. So fuck it. I appreciate a game that has a long time jump and is not afraid to do that. And I'm trying to think of, like, games that have not been afraid to just go for it. Speaking of games that yeah. don't mind going for it, we uh, my next on my list. Dungeon Good Greg way. <laughs> Chroma Squad Tactical RPG. If you haven't heard of that game, it is... A love letter to Power Rangers. Oh. And the, the game, the company that made um, Chroma Squad, they literally went for it, made a game that was like a love letter to Power Rangers, especially that type of genre of Japanese um, television. But Saban, being an asshole, came after the company, and now they have inspired by Saban Entertainment. In there, in the we should have side effect that and just gone full Super Sentai. Those guys are way cooler. Yeah, um, and each and it, it's a season-based um, RPG game. There's five seasons in all, and it has a choice system in the game as well. Um, it, depending on your choices, how you interact with fans, how you interact with other characters in the game, you can have a sixth ranger if you want. Or if you don't, mm -hmm. if you if you don't get the six ranger, one of your rangers will. Um, you remember Mask Rider, where it was like it was all by um, the Super Sentai series, where it was like motorcycle thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, one of the rangers will end up getting powers similar to that. Oh, that's so cool! Nice, like uh, Makoto in Persona Five. 
and it's one of the few games where I have it on multiple platforms. I have it on the Switch, I have it on the PS4, and I have it on the PC. Like Dragon Age, I have it on different platforms. That's how you know he's serious. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, no, that's pretty intense. Outer Worlds, I have it on PS4, and I have it on um, Xbox One. So I'm gonna say that's half intense. And I have Watch Dogs 2 on the three on the Xbox. <laughs> I can play C. That's how right. much I love these games. Well, that. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm 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 that I'm that I'm that I'm that I'm a Stanley. But um, Power Rangers. Look, I was gonna call it Power Rangers. Chroma Squad is really fun. I love the music in it. Um, I, th- I believe the first three chapters is still up on my Twitch channel if y'all want to check it out. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. I, I, and I, and I, have this, so I have like two New Game Plus saves on, uh, my, on my Switch, and I still have one. I haven't passed it yet on the PC, but I, I have passed it on the PlayStation. Easy trophy getting. There's no Platinums, but it's easy trophies. <laughs> No. Every, I do not think that a game should be allowed to be on PlayStation without having a trophy or a platinum. Every game should have a platinum. I'm sorry, I fully believe that. Nah. <laughs> Every game should have to be. like if you have trophies, you have to have a platinum. That's dumb. Yes, it's just yes. like if you have gamer score or whatever, you should have like whatever top gamer score is. I don't know. I have a PlayStation, but. <laughs> Des, you 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 and I have to remember she's actually good at getting them. Yes. No, I only have four Platinums, but I'm just saying, like, I used to play a lot of Otome games on Vita, and, like, I Platinumed one of them, but if they all had Platinums, I'd have so many cool Otome game Platinums. And then just people who just getting Platinums just left and right. Right? No, I, like, my roommate has the My Name is Mayo Platinum. Nah, like, my Platinums, I only Platinum games that I love. Like, I have Persona 5, Persona 5 Royal, Diablo 3, and Dragon Age Inquisition. Those are my four Platinums. <laughs> Nice. As much as I love Dragon Age, I should have a platinum album. No, I don't. All right. That platinum takes a lot of work. Like yes, it yes. is not and easy. Mental and mental factor as well. Yes. Nightmare uh, is no joke. They are not fucking around. It is not. Now this is something we both talked about, um, and it correlates to the um, the next game after it. Um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two technically counts as a PS4 title. And here's the reason why. It is a remake of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. And uh, not a remaster. Because if you go back and you look at the levels, on the, uh, think of it like the Resident Evil titles. They count as PS4 and Xbox titles because they remade the maps. They remade the character of Jill. Same, in the same vein as Tony Hawk where... Now all the professional skaters, where they was in their Tony Hawk, I know he was like in his late thirties, early forties, but now every professional skater that was at that age when Tony Hawk One and Two was out are now in their forties, close to fifties. And they all have kids playing Tony Hawk on their PS4. What's up? And Tony Hawk is the only professional skater who actually has a son who is a professional skater who's in the game. That's so cute. Um, so, and, and what's also one of the cooler things, when you make your character, and you put age 35, is they gotta make it look close to that age range as possible, and I was like, oh, so that's what 35 is supposed to look like. Oh, okay. No, thank you, gross. <laughs> Forget it. But, um, they redid all the levels, um, especially there's two real-life skate, um, schools 
that the game recreated. And then when you look at a normal school, they're going to have bungalows. They're going to have, they're going to update the school. And that's what Tony Hawk um, 1 and 2 did. They reflected what the school looks like now. So um, Marseille in um, France, the, where they have skate competition, they reflect how the skate park looks now. So it counts as a remake. So it counts as a PS4 game. Um, hey, I believe it. And my yeah. thought process at the end of the day is it's your list. So you make the rules for your list. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man um, is also on my list. Um Thanks. Narratively, um, it took me a minute because like Dan Slott and Christos Gage are also um, who wrote the story for this game. I have a love-hate <laughs> relationship with those writers. Like, <laughs> t- uh, like Dan Slott wrote a good run on Spider-Man. I mean, read the Gauntlet. If you want a good Spider-Man story, the Gauntlet is one of the best that I was, all hands down, best Spider-Man story of all time. It was a three-year overarching story that accumulated with the return of one of Spider-Man's villains, not Green Goblin, from the dead, and it was a good connecting story, and I loved it. So the things that they did, um, like here and there within the game, it works. Um, Now, what I mentioned before we started recording in terms of Tony Hawk and Spider-Man, um... Those two games, Spider-Man Remastered on the PS5 and then Tony Hawk on the PS4 prove how I feel Mass Effect will look in 2021. We They did a subtle change. Well, it's not very subtle. It's a very big noticeable change on the way Peter Parker looks. But then when you look at Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk is a remake. So it's more in correlation to... Final Fantasy 7, which is my honorable mention. It's a remake. They did things that they couldn't do in the original Final Fantasy 7 that they was able to do now because of the technology. Is the Demon Souls that's launching on PS5 a remake or a remaster? Remake. That's what I thought. I was like, would that be in the same category? Um, right? Same same flavor? Yep. And now, Spider-Man fits on this remaster category. So, what I feel what BioWare is going to do with the Mass Effect trilogy I think they're going to take certain aspects of how they made the Asari look. The Asari looked all the same shades of blue in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. But in Andromeda, they had certain markers, patterns to make they made them stand out between one of um, each and everybody. Um, like instead of like, oh, this person lost a certain trait, so they're just green. Like no, there's like there's specific parts and like now. No, the Asari were slightly different shades of blue because the Asari that you could get the game over with is a little bit of a different shade of blue yeah. um, than her mother, who you yeah. could also get, or uh, your party member. But I, think- I haven't. Don't ask me for a space alien name without at least ten minutes of notice. Like I cannot, I can't keep them in my brain to save my life. <laughs> if, like if it's a crazy space alien name, sorry, I gotta like refresh my lore real quick. Check my cheat sheet. Sorry. Right? I'm like, oh my god, Liara to Sony to Sony. There's a comma in there. That's weird. That's not how names go. It's just <laughs> yeah, my my brain does not retain. Like when I would read like Dostoevsky, the hardest part about reading novels and things written by different languages than you is like I could never keep the name straight. I'd have to make a little cheat sheet. Yeah. 
Or like starting a new manga, I'd always have to flip to the front that has like the characters, like their name with their picture and be like, wait, who who are you referencing in this bubble? I haven't learned names yet. Like, I just, I'm not a names person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it takes at least like maybe 20 chapters in to start remembering like, oh, okay, that name is this character. Right? You feel pretty good. We're like, I remember who to, you know, Tamuki is. Yeah. What's up? It's like, what's up? Yeah. Like, uh, Giyu there. Right? Subasa would be worried. I know who Subasa is. He will be worried. Like, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, maybe I do know Japanese. Right? <laughs> Crushing it. But then three months go by before I read it again, and I'm like, wait, which one's Subasa? Yeah, yeah, for real. Besides the besides that the small little tangent of what I feel with Mass Effect is probably gonna do like how Spider Man was something I did for Spider Man, what I think Bioware might do for um Mass Effect, that's just the small thing. So those are Tony Hawk and Spider-Man are those two. My last two is from the same company, Sucker Punch. And they reined in the start of the PS4 era and they ended off the PS4 era with... um, I was... We have Infamous Second Son. Shout out. And Ghost of Tsushima. Ooh, you really like Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, really? Uh, for sure, I do. It's it's an it's the only stealth game where I actually stealthed it. But nice. I guys, did I not mention that one either on my list? Because I totally no. have. Um, I think I. But also, stealthing it had a purpose when I actually learned it. The more yeah. You, the more you stealth, the more you got thunders, thunderstorms, and rain. We, the less you stealth, the more um, the, you get more wind. It was more bright out. It was you always had a full lit moon. So I was like, oh, there is an actual purpose to you. Actually, there's a you actually now have a choice to which how you want to play the game. I like that. Oh, that's cool. So I was like, holy shit! I was like, and then the even though it was his uncle, it's still that father and son aspect to the game. Um, and then see, and then learning this is based, even this is loosely based on what actually happened to Shima back in 1257. Um, so it was like November 6th, 1257. There we go. So I was like, you said that like you were there at first. You're like, this is what happened in 1257. Like I was still living down the street. So I was there at the time. Like <laughs> I'm good with history. So I like, I like, I like historical, um, some historical games where, even though, like some Assassin's Creed games, I like, and then just like the ones that are out, like it gets bogged down what's happening to the future within Assassin's Creed. Like just, mm-hmm. just, just stick me in the past, right? But, I will always love the concept of Assassin's Creed games. That's and, what I say. And then, I don't like the way they continued, but I definitely like. Yeah, I and, get it. And the reason why I stopped liking Assassin's Creed is because the main character of the original three was Desmond Miles, and my fucking name is Desmond. So I always had asshole friends was like, man, you, your character's a bitch. I'm like, he is not black. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> he is also not me. I was like, we have, also, yeah. I was like, we have the same first name, but not the same last name. All right. Just get it. Until like, even if you didn't have the same first and last name, though, like, that's also not you. <laughs> there's a villain. There's so that a, is a video game. I know. There's a villain. There's a DC villain named Desmond Blockbuster. I was like, oh no. <laughs> why am I? That's in Paul it? Hollywood's actual insert. I was like, why every villain or 
per or a character who's a grade A punk. When I say punk, not like in the sense of like I'm against the patriarchy or I'm against the government. No, a punk where you can just push him over. Mm. Oh, like a punk ass kid. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like not like punk like rock and roll. Punk like you little punk. Yeah. I'm like, oh, why is it my name? Why why couldn't it be like Alan or some The show? only famous Kaylee in the entire universe is the current press secretary. So imagine how I feel. Oh, um, Kaylee, like I said, from Firefly, but you, you said you won't watch anything that has more than what else. But I mean, like, real people, like, famous people. Famous people. No? <laughs> like, name another Kaylee. The closest I had growing up was Kylie Minogue in Australia. Kaylee Kuko. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And Big Bang Theory is such a bad show, so uh, it's just double insulting. Well, you can Thank say, you. You can say Big Bang Theory is like if boomers were trying really, really hard to write a show aimed at millennials. Thank you. Everybody else I know says they love it, and I'm like, why? I find it so insulting. I, I came in in a room when it was on once, and so I like was like, oh, look, somebody's wearing like a Flash t-shirt. That's cool. That's up my alley. And then they started talking, and I was like, no. Does anybody who writes these scripts know what any of the words they're saying right now mean? Like, what, it's just a series of buzzwords strung together in pseudo-sentences. I just... I like, know. the science aspect of it, like, I get. But when they try to do, like, the nerdy, like, geeky part, it's like, come, like, they're just throwing every reference they can and in. the jokes just aren't funny. Like, the, they're the jokes that you would make, like, a parody TV show with a laugh track, and then you have to have the laugh track because no one's laughing in real life. I mean, that literally was a laugh track. Yeah, but that's well, what I'm saying. Like, the laugh track makes it sound like, it looks like a parody. Like, when I'm watching Big Bang Theory, yeah. I'm like, is this, is this an SNL skit of, like, millennial sitcoms? What the fuck is this? You yeah, can, you can say this as someone who's a DC fan. You can say the only thing that's good with Kaylee Kuko is Harley Quinn. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't she voice more things though? Does she? To my knowledge, right now, Harley Quinn is the only thing that pops in my head. Okay. She might. Nothing important mm. that I can think of in this exact 30 seconds Other than I'm Big giving Man myself. Theory and Harley Quinn, yeah. Right. Yep, and also the reason why Final Fantasy VII remake is on my honorable mention. <sighs> you know, it's because it's the best Final Fantasy. No, it's there's certain things I realize. I'm I'm starting to realize like you we, control done has done this. Um, Spider Man has done this, where you feel a certain level should be done and it keeps on going. Mm. And it mm -hmm. keeps on going, and you'd be like. When the fuck is this going to end? Please stop. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Kingdom, I remember why I stopped. I like Kingdoms of Amalur, but then I also hate it because there's certain things like, oh, why is this still going on? Why? And I'm also, and I realize I have OCD when it comes to video games where, where there's a notification up, up where you, you want it gone, but you realize it won't be gone because this is a radiant quest. Which means that native notification will always be there on the screen. I'm like, I need it be, I need it to be blank. Please let me, motherfucker. I, I, I'm, I never, I'm never OCD, but when it comes to video games, I'm OCD with that. My ex was obsessed with Kingdoms of Amalur, and we lived together, so he played it for years. I'm like, it took him a little bit to beat the game, but then he just kept like, sometimes he'd just be like, there's nothing left to do, and you know, the studio, there's he knew there was no chance for any DLC or something, but he was just so obsessed with the world and the gameplay and everything. He loved it so much. 
he just wander around, look for more quests, and just hung out with it for like years. Well, it was crazy. Well, now your ex can take heart into know there will be an expansion next year. Right? I, when I finally came back from the dead, I was like, no fucking way. I'm excited. I want to see. It's a good game. It was really tragic what happened. Like, don't get in bed with Kurt Schilling. But, uh... <laughs> The lore's good. And you can see how it's obviously set up to become an MMO. And so it's, like, really sad because it's, like, it's, like, watching a movie that ends with, like, an obvious hook for a sequel that never comes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? Thank you. I'm I'm close to the game and I haven't finished it yet because of that. See? It's huge. Like, you can play that game forever. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, because of the freaking Radiant Quest, you can be, you can have a million coins in this game just by doing the Radiant Quest alone. Shit's nuts. Um, but finally, that's why Final Fantasy is on the mention list because there is two. Um, the freeway chase um, mission, um, the check right after you leave Shinra's tower. Mm-hmm. That that goes longer than I remember, and there's an extra boss fight that never happened in the original, and there's a boss fight in this one, and there's you you fight Sephiroth earlier than usual mm-hmm. so i'm like what the fuck is going on but then it sets up for part two and i'm like i'm sitting there thinking after finishing it what what the fuck is going on I, now i have to play part two to know what the fuck is going to happen yeah and i hate when games do that that's why i haven't played the remake because i don't like i don't play episodic games when they come out i wait till all the episodes come out and then i play them so as soon as i found out final fantasy 7 was going to be episodic i was like i can't i might play it before the second one comes out but i am trying as hard as i can to last as long as i can but the the the, 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 to, to piggyback on my last two before we go the reason why i like ghost of Tsushima and, and second son sucker punch always in their games like they're not getting a sequel Ooh. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Even that's you, it. Even if you go back to Infamous One and Two, they both ended like they never got us. There was never getting the sequel. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking of right now. I was like, I did not expect an Infamous Two because of that ending, nor did I expect a Second Son after Two. I think that Prototype does that even harder, and I always liked Prototype more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sold me. I liked Prototype One and Two. I haven't tried Prototype. I think it's free on Game Pass right now, right? I haven't seen Prototype on the list. Oh. No one talks about Prototype. It's like expecting Split Second to be on the list or something. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, but they're good games. They're good games. Then Uh, speaking of Black Protagonist, that was the second game. Yeah. Um, And then also... With Tsushima, you getting we and also with Second Son. That's what I liked about um, Insomniac, uh, not Insomniac, um, Sucker Punch. They did the white male protagonist, and then they went Native American, and then they went with um, an Asian um, protagonist. So it's like the eventual. And if you play um, Second Light, you have you have to be a female protagonist in that one. So it's like they're they're slowly progress they like the only progressive like game studio where they is like multicultural game characters. And it started with Sly Cooper, essentially. I have never played a Sly Cooper game. Neither have I, but how did I miss Sly Cooper? Like I didn't really know Sly was a thing until PlayStation All Stars. Like 
I feel Battle Royale. I think I was playing Crash Bandicoot instead of Sly. Me too. I had Crash. I had Spyro. I had fucking Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. I love Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. <laughs> right? I thought I had all of the like 3D platformers. And then come to find out there was like a little stealth raccoon who was super cute. But I never saw him as a kid. Like, and Sucker Punch has put Sly Cooper very slyly in all their games. Yeah, they have very much embraced him, and I think he's cute as shit. I'm glad. I just, I I wish I'd known when I was a kid. And before we go, I will make a jab at Naughty Dog. They should learn from Sucker Punch. Even though they they have expressed they want to, but not at this moment, they acknowledge Sly Cooper. While Naughty Dog, you do not acknowledge whatsoever to the game that made you, which is Jack and Dexter. I was like, I really loved Jack and Daxter, and then I didn't like how they kept getting like more dark and more gritty. I was like, I come like on, it. where's my fun little weasel guy? Jack started becoming really like scary. I was like, I don't know if I want to be his friend. He seems mean. He was <laughs> tortured for three years. You were- I know, that's what I'm saying, is the games got really dark, and I was like, oh man, I thought this was like a fun guy and his ferret friend. But uh, no, they-, they got dark by least- Jack 3. It was like Mad Max. Daxter kept his attitude. It was just Jack. Right, yeah. But it's like, Jack just got darker and darker. It's but like, oh, yeah, you want to be wacky? I'll show you, like, but here's the I'll thing juxtapose that, your wacky. When you got to Jack 3, though, Jack did was on Daxter's level in terms of humor. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But it, it was kind of like, I'm still going to kill you. But I'm gonna give you a quick witty um, retort. Right, it was more like how Red Hood's funny. Yeah, there you go. See, there you go. But I was like nine, and I was like, I just wanted a cute game. <laughs> I just finished running through the Great Wall of China on a tiger cub. Like I thought we were having a good time. That was the best part of any Crash Bandicoot game. Any time where you got to be his sister. Nice. Oh man. Games. Right? Uh, we love them. May they make us mad, sad, cry, or go, No. And with that, thank you, Kaylee, um, for being on. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Um, this was a good review. And this is now officially our longest podcast ever at three hours and 20 minutes. I was, oh, wondering, God, that. I, I was wondering if we were going for the record here. We went for the record. My apologies. No, you're um, but if you do come back, we will have a time constraint, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did not make my dinner, and I don't like eating late. I made my dinner right before this. I made it in just in time. I was so proud of myself. Sorry about it. No, you did. Um, <laughs> but thank you again, Kaylee, for being on. Yes. Um, I will give you the information for Nizuka Store if you want to join on those episodes. Of course, anytime. Um, and I would love to have you back. Um... What's the fuck? Christopher, what's our catchphrase again? Uh, press on with pride and press on with purpose. There we go. And always forward. Till the next time. Peace.